just give it a couple. Hey guys, uh, welcome to Ruin Hammer, uh, season two, episode forty-seven. Sorry for the the technical delays. Uh, we've had to try and find a, a program that was going to work. We couldn't get uh, Mark's volume working uh, at his end, but um, we're all good now. Um, very excited tonight. We've got a, a very special guest with us um, who really needs no introduction to the rugby league community. Uh, he's a great of New Zealand rugby league. He's played 146 uh, New South Wales rugby league games uh, for my beloved North City Bears. Uh, represented New Zealand in 29 tests. He's been inducted into the New Zealand Sports Hall of Fame, named the greatest player New Zealand produced in the century, 1907 to 2006, uh, named in the New Zealand Team of the Century, named in the North Sydney Bears Team of the Century, and was the first and one of only three Kiwis inducted into the NRL Hall of Fame. It gives me great pleasure to welcome uh, to our show, Mark Graham. Hey, Mark, how are you going? Thanks for joining us, mate. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Nice to be here, mate. No worries, bro. Awesome, Mark. Well, uh, yeah, again, thanks for, thanks for being with us. And um, we'll go all the way back to the start of your journey. Can you tell us uh, where in New Zealand you grew up and what was your junior club? I was born and bred in Adahu, uh, Tahahu, as it's probably known. And um, <clears throat> that was my first junior club. I played for the Adahu um, St. Joseph Convent School. I started my rugby league career, and it started. I started in rugby league because they gave us jerseys, and and uh, my mates played rugby league, and that's how it started. Mate, growing up in Otahuhu, um, it was an area made famous from the film Once Were Warriors. Uh, yep. A lot of it was filmed there, uh, and the reality the reality is that it's an area that has a, a little bit of a gang culture uh, in that area at that time. Was it tough to stay away from the gang culture and the lifestyle when you were growing up there? Um, well, you know, we always had footy, so we, you know, um, I think, I think the research says that the gangs, um, brought people into their, well, they got gang members because they were, um, weren't parented well and they, they weren't loved by their family and stuff like that. And I had a very loving family and, um, I was, I was lucky that all my friends were pretty much the same, but there was a lot of, there certainly was a lot of, um, gang members around. Um, but you know, we, um. We didn't sort of, um, you know, if they played footy, they were good blokes. If they didn't, we didn't sort of, sort of, um, um, sort of mix with them too much. Yeah, yeah. You were educated at one of Auckland's most renowned rugby league schools, St Paul's College, um, which has been a nursery for a lot of rugby league talent uh, for so long, producing so many students who've gone on to play in the NRL. Um, what was your time like there, and were you a good student? Uh, Robert, um, mate, it was interesting you should say that about St Paul's because when I went there, it was not a rugby league school. Um, and the, it became a rugby league school um, when my, in one of my senior years, I, maybe my senior year, there was a rugby league comp between all the secondary schools. And um, we decided, the players, we decided we'd put in a, a footy side, a rugby league side, and we won the comp and we, and we wore our first 15 jerseys. And um, when the um, powers at B found out about it, they were very upset, obviously. And but when they found out that we won it, there was it was okay then, so there was not too much retribution about it. But um, um, I think um, the Warriors in the past have used scholarships to to put um, their best players in St Pauls. But yeah. prior um, prior to that, there was no rugby league at St Pauls College. Before wow. my okay. okay. I also read something interesting that league wasn't your first choice. You actually wanted to be a fisherman. I like fishing, yeah, I, I really do. Although I, I, I hardly fish anymore, I'm a bit of a golfer now. So, um, 
Um, but yeah, I, I loved fishing. I, I was uh, at one stage before um, when Graham Lowe left to go to um, to Northern Brisbane. Um, um, I was I would rather have gone fishing. I think um, and I used to wait for training on several occasions because of my love for fishing. And um, when he left, I thought, well, so I'll play one more season and I'll go fishing. But um, then he he rang me and said, why don't you come on over? So I I, I did. Yeah, um, mate. When you were at um, playing at the Leopards. In New Zealand, uh, you were selected from there to represent the Kiwis. Um, you made your debut in that 1977 World Cup. Your debut game was in the loss against Great Britain coming off the bench, but a week later you were selected to play lock against the French and scored your first test try. Yes. Can you tell us about what was it like, um, you know, those first uh, Kiwi test caps and what was it like scoring your first test try for the Kiwis? Obviously a great, you know, wonderful thing to be um, picked for the Kiwis. Um yeah, you know, there's nothing better to do than represent your country and to stand there amongst your friends, um, uh, especially at home, being supported by your fan, friends and family and um, <clears throat> community. Um, and um, to um, listen to the national anthem and your name being read out. And um, yeah, it was yeah, very, very good. I remember um, when I was named to play against the French, um, I could hardly sleep the night before. I was, I was that nervous and maybe I had a couple of hours, but. Uh, I can remember about 20 minutes of the game. I felt exhausted because I was so tired from those. But, um, um, luckily, we uh, got away with them that day. Do you remember your try? Uh, not really, no. no. Um, <clears throat> lots of I, things I, that happened. I tried, I tried looking for it online, but I couldn't find a, uh, any any video or vision of it to, so that I could step you through it. So I can't help you on that one either, mate. <laughs> I'm not, not sure there was any video in those days, mate. <laughs> Um, you, you played for Brisbane North in 1979 and 1980 under coach Graham Lowe. Um, is it true that you signed your first contract there on the back of a coaster? And, and how did you come to play for Brisbane North? Well, uh, to tell you the truth, I was playing for um, Otahu Leopards at, uh, in 1979. I only played one year for um, North in Brisbane. And, um, oh, okay. Yeah, and, it's, uh, and I, I see that on, on, some, on some websites that I played two years, but I only played one year there. In 1980, we won the comp, um, yep. and um, I went there. I, I paid for my own travel to go over there. <clears throat> my wife went to um, to um, Sydney to live with her mother. Um, Luke was my oldest son at that stage. He was been he'd been born um, in November, so I was going. I left in January to go over to play, and um, I couldn't get a, a clearance from the New Zealand Rugby League, so I, I couldn't train with the the North Northern Suburb side, the Devils, and um, so it was quite a difficult period of time. I stayed with Graham Lowe. And um, finally, after uh, I think we had a, uh, a trial game against North, uh, Valleys uh, and a really hot um, day with a storm and um, the, the, the rain came down. It was that hot. The ground was steaming and it was um, yeah. a very difficult time, obviously. And um, I hadn't done much training. And it was um, um, a very violent game because I made it that way because I needed to get off because I couldn't... I couldn't um, I wasn't, wasn't being able to um, keep, up, <clears throat> keep up with the play. So I decided to build a few blokes to see if we could settle them down. And um, um, it turned into a, a pretty rough house match, which I was quite used to, so I was sort of playing up my alley. So, And then after they wanted to sign me, so they saw me on the back of the coaster. <laughs> so it's true. <laughs> yes, that is true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay. Did you find the level of rugby league in Australia much different to, you know, NZ back then? Um, 
Well, we, you know, Otahu, Otahu Lepers, you know, we were a top side. We'd, we'd beaten, um, we'd played a couple of, uh, at the end of the season, Auckland Rugby League always invited um, a Sydney side over and we'd played Western Suburbs one year and got beaten 11-8. Uh, my fault that we lost, actually, in the in the, um, in the the last minute. And um, then we we beat um, Cronulla Sutherland the year they lost the grand final. Um, so we beat them uh, two tries to to a goal, or a field goal, I think. They, they kicked uh, two points, so we beat them 6-2. So two tries to, to, to nil, really. And um, so we're, we're a good side. We knew how to play footy and we could play footy. And um, in 77, I think, 77, 1977, Auckland had beaten um, all the um, national sides from all the other teams in the World Cup. So yeah. Auckland was a million miles away from a very good standard. Mate, um, playing in that Brisbane comp, you came up against a, uh, a young Wally Lewis on a couple of occasions. And I've read that you actually put him in hospital um, twice. Yes, I think that's correct. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I could actually, you can actually find the video on YouTube. So if anyone wants to go out and find it, you can. It's the 1980 semi final between Norse and Valleys. And I think in that game, you crushed Wally's esophagus. Well, it's funny you say that. Um, people, you know, that, that's what I, I, I actually, someone told me that um, Wally said in his book, I tried to kill him. But my, my, my side of the story is that I actually saved his life because. When I got up from the ground, he was lying underneath me, and um, I, and Wally was known to put on a bit of a turn every now and again to get a penalty. Um, and I, I played the ball, and I looked at him, and he was turning blue, and I thought, "Gee, that's hard to, you know, you, that's, yeah. you can't do that." Well, so I said to the line umpire, "Mate, you might want to have a look at that lad. He's um, not looking that good." So, um, and I, so he reckons I tried to kill him. I said I saved his life. So we, there's a, a bit of a conjecture there, I suppose. He bought it upon himself, mate. He was coming from the blind side anyway, wasn't he? <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not really sure how to tell you the truth, Mark. But, uh, oh, I can tell you, mate. I, I watched it. It was coming from the blind side. <laughs> <You> okay. <deserved. laughs> and, and the first time um, he came, he came from behind me, and I was fighting a couple of blokes. And one of them just the look, having been brought up in Otahu, um, the look of the bloke that I was fighting with, or one of the guys I was fighting, um, gave me, told me that there was someone standing behind me, so I spun around and, and hit him before he could hit me. So, and that's he broke all broken that time. So. He didn't have a lot of luck in that regard. But, <laughs> but, but look, a champion, champion, champion player, champion player. Yes. And, um, um, I'm not saying he wasn't. It's was just that um, um, maybe I was lucky that he couldn't hold his hands up. <laughs> Mate, um, Brisbane North went on and won the, that 1980 grand final against Brisbane South. Um, must have been a great feeling to be part of that, that grand final winning team, the first at Brisbane North since 1969. Yeah, I had no idea there was that sort of that, that period of time had passed, but they were, um, yeah. And I'd, I'd only playing for Otaho, I'd, I'd played in grand finals just about every year of my life playing footy. And we went to a, um, we went and stayed in a in a big city hotel the night before the grand final. And um, I was sitting there, you know, having having um, dinner and we're all talking about the grand final. And I was going, yeah, it's just not the game of footy, boys, just go out and do it. And they were going, what? And, and we went to the team and hardly anyone had played in the grand final. I was just going, wow. Yeah. Wow. You know, so um, I was quite surprised because I'd played in grand finals all my life. And, you know, in Auckland, you played a, a knockout grand final, you played a champions grand final, you played a champion of champions, um, you know, and then you played a Sydney side at the end of the year. So I'd done all that year after year after year. So yeah. um, 
yeah, it was quite, I was quite surprised. But when you look back at the side that we had for North Brisbane and the Devils, gee, we had a good side. And had we not won, the most probably should have been questions asked. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah definitely. You were, uh, you, you were selected to captain the Kiwis on the 1982 of Great Britain. Um, captaining your country must have been a tremendous honour and a dream come true. Absolutely, yeah. It was... Um, um, it was a, it was a uh, marvellous period of, of um, my time and my football, and I was uh, very grateful to be um, named captain of a wonderful group of um, men that um, wanted to do all they could to represent their country, and uh, and they did. And it was, it was um, we had some great times, and I was lucky enough to uh, captain two tours of England and France in 80 and, uh, and uh, 1985. And on both both occasions, we drew uh, the test series um, with England and France, so we... Um, we maybe didn't in eighty. We most probably exceeded expectations in eighty five. We most probably didn't um, live up to the expectations that were upon us. Mate, um, you made the switch from the Brisbane comp to the New South Wales Rugby League, or the then New South Wales Rugby League, signing with my beloved North Sydney Bears. Um, I read a story that the day you were supposed to meet the late Ken McCaffrey, you actually ran into him at church, and you took that as a, a really good omen. Yeah, I um, I'm a church guy. I still am today, and uh, I believe in the, the, the Lord, and um, I think everybody should. It's mostly a good thing to do. Um, yeah. But you know, I used to go to church on Sundays, and I, I'd, I'd sit at a, a time to meet um, Ken and Ron Woolley, the coach of the Bears at that time. And um, I went to church, and um, I, I noticed a couple of blokes I hadn't seen in church before, and uh, went across the road for a cup of coffee afterwards, and, and to meet them. And uh, they were the guys that were in church, so that was a good start. Yeah, awesome. Is it true that he rang you whilst you were touring in England with the Kiwis and uh, offered you a certain amount of money? And uh, you said, if you double it, I'll sign right now. And he did? Yes, that's true. <laughs> so, so in hindsight, you probably realised you, you could have asked uh, for a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, look, to tell you the truth, uh, Rob, I, I, it wasn't about money for me. It was just, it was... Um, um, it was, you know, it was a test of your character and your playing ability and how far you could go. And, um, you know, I realised it was a brutal game and it could finish at any moment. So, um, uh, but the trick was to do the best you could while you could. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure why I did that, um, but it was just to see if I could, I suppose. <laughs> Mate, um, it was sad early to see when uh, Ken passed away. Uh, yeah. He was a great man. I, I grew up with one of his sons, Anthony, uh, was my age, and we came through school together. Obviously, you played with Paul. Um, yeah. I'm sure you've got a lot of great memories um, with Ken. Um, yeah. Mate, I remember being a young Bears supporter and growing up in the area, uh, and there was a lot of hype around you coming to the club. And, and this was also in an era, era of no social media. You know, It was just um, word of mouth and newspapers and so forth, and, and there was a lot of hype. When you moved to Sydney, did you move to the North Sydney area or did you live in a, a different area outside of North Sydney? No, no, I moved to North Sydney. Um, we, I was just trying to think, Roseville. I think we stayed in Roseville. Oh, yeah. Yep. And uh, it was not a lovely spot. And, um, um, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time with the Bears. And um, uh, I often, you know, people often say to me, why did you, why did you stay with the Bears? Why did you move somewhere that um, would go to another club, you know, where you could have won a comp? Well, I, you know, they were my mates. They were the people that I, I chose to play football with. They were um, my tribe. And um, um, if I was going to win a comp, I was going to go good. I was going to go good with them because I, I, I chose to play with them. And um, 
I think, you know, it's a different thing now. Like, loyalty doesn't mean anything, but loyalty meant a lot in those days. Yeah. And, well, especially to me. And um, and I chose that. And, um, yeah, I, I had um, um, a few uh, offers from other clubs, um, but the people that they sent along to talk to me, I didn't like. So um, there was never gonna, that was never going to happen. Yeah, I think if you had a sign for Manly, we would have been devastated, mate. Um, with that rivalry that we have with them. I, I did. I did actually um, go to lunch with Bobby Fulton one day and uh, a few of the other um, execs from the club. And um, are you there? Yeah. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I think his camera's just gone yeah. off. That's all. Oh. Yeah. Get <laughs> off the screen. That's all. Yeah. No, I, I did, a, did go to lunch with him and. Uh, and um, I was, um, I was, oh, I actually made an excuse to leave early because I was, um, I was, oh, just say I was. Um, they, they were being, they were being rude to people in the, in the restaurant, and um, well, I thought they were, whether they thought they had fun with them or not. And it, I was very uncomfortable about it all, so I made an excuse and left. And then, um, uh, a week or so later, Bob called me and asked me, um, what I, you know, what money I'd need to to go over to Manly. And I put a huge figure on it, and um, he was, he was uh, in more than a little bit of shock. And um, and he said, um, he said, you know, like, uh, what makes you think that you're that much better than everybody else? And uh, or something to those words. And I said, that's what I need to put up with someone like yourself. <laughs> and that's that's when the phone went dead. So that was pretty easy, really. But you know, <laughs> years later, I worked I worked with Bob as an assistant coach. So. Um, um, it's funny how things come around, isn't it? <laughs> Mate, I, uh, just, to, just to digress, I remember, um, like, you know, growing up as a North City fan, Manly was the the, the arch rival, and, and we lost so many players. We lost Bruce Walker. Uh, we lost uh, Johnny Gray, who was our, our uh, PE teacher at the school across the road at Marist. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. Uh, Mitchell Cox, when he came, and then he ended up going over there. We bought through a young Cliff Lyons, and he went there. Paul McCabe was another one. So, yeah. Yes. Um, Absolutely hated the way that Manly just used to try and pilfer all our uh, North Sydney talent. Yeah, look, I, I, after having lunch with them, I, I was I was surprised that um, that anyone would go there. Myself, I, I don't know, it might be different, but um, you know, like um, Bob was spent all the lunch here or the time that I was there telling me how bad his back rowers were, and he had Paul McCabe and Crash Cleal and Noel Vaughton. Yeah. Uh, and, um, uh, sorry, uh, Crash Cleal, um, Paul Vaughton. Yep. Um, Gold Walker at that stage, Ray Brown, and I was just going, "Well, like these are all internationals at that stage. They're all Test players for Australia, yep. and I'm and I'm going to go there." And I said, "Geez, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking we're going to get three of us in the back row. Yeah, um, they're all very good players, and um, yeah, so I was I was sort of dubious, put it that way." <laughs> You, you play your first game for the Bears in 1981, round one, and it's a 22-7 to victory over South Sydney at Redfern Oval. Um, do you remember much about that game? Very little, if anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long time. Fair enough. It is yeah. a long time ago. You know, a, lot of, a lot of head clashes and um, a lot of um, stitches and scars and loss of teeth and all sorts in the meantime. So, um, But I'm very pleased to hear that we won. Okay, well, I'll, I'll go on to the next one then see if you can remember this. You scored 29 tries playing for the Bears. Um, and nearly everyone remembers their first try. Now, looking at the look on your face, do you remember your first try for the Bears? No, I'm afraid not. No, I could have no, no idea. It's most probably that, can I, if I hazard a guess, it would most probably be running off Johnny Gray. It probably was, and it was in that same game against South. So it was in your first game for the Bears. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember Johnny, your first? Johnny Gray was one of the um, one of the best players I've ever played with. He was he was uh, he, he could ball play, he could, he could kick goals, he could um, he could sing, he could he could public speak, he could do anything. Uh, yeah. he, could, he could drink real good. He was yeah. um, he was tough. <laughs> And um, and without without doing anything or any um, any practice, he would do something. And I could read it, and, and it was just it was. Um, there'd be many a time we'd be playing, and someone would yell out, um, "The opposition would be yelling, you get Gray, I've got Graham, you get Gray, I got Graham," and then I'd get the ball, and there'd be no one standing in front of me except the fullback. So um, he, he, he was he was that good. Kind of like that um, that uh, uncanny knack that Cliff Lyons and Steve Menzies developed at Manly, where they were so so good together. Yeah, same kind of thing. Mate, do you remember your first game playing at North Sydney Oval? I do, but not because of the game, because of, um, um, in the showers afterwards, um, you know, we were getting, I was getting in the shower and, and because I had so much bark off me because of the cricket pitch, um, I jumped in and I had like a body, body, um, or like a body cramp. And yeah. I was like tottering on my heels about to fall over and 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 I was supposed to bang, banged up against the shower wall and the boys came running around you're right I'm going oh and they're going shit you got some bark up here I'm going yeah all, all from my thighs right down the side my knees both knees up the side. and um and they're going wow man we, we just don't don't go anywhere near the, that cricket pitch mate otherwise you're going to be like that for the whole year yeah so um yeah I, I, I didn't realize no one tackled on the cricket pitch so yeah, it, was, um, it was a shocker yeah, it was, wasn't it it was terrible, yeah. It was horrible. Like sandpaper. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mate, just so you know, it was the round two loss to Cronulla, 24 to 6. So it was the following week after your um your first game for the club. Okay, there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you played for the Bears from um, 1981 to 1988. And in 81, the Bears have their best season since 1974, finishing seventh. Missing the finals, but a promising season climbing out of the cellar. Um, then in 1982, the fortune seemed to turn around and the club found a real purple patch of form, winning 11 from 14 to finish the season, which included a seven-game winning streak. Um, what are your memories of that regular season? Not a great deal. Not a great deal, Rob. <laughs> no, I know we had, we had a really good side. Um, we had um, tough, uncom- uh, uncompromising forwards. We had um, great skill on the back line and speed. And um, and Riley Willie was a great coach and, and everyone enjoyed their time. Yeah, he was. Um, we finished third that year in 82. And yep. um, we qualified for the finals, uh, which is yep. the first time that the Bears had qualified for the finals since 1965. Um, do you remember much about the final series? Because we came up against Manly in the first game in the finals, and then uh, we played the Roosters. Now, the Manly game was was kind of, uh, I think we ended up losing that 22-3 or something like that, because back in the day, we were still three-point tries. Um, And then the Roosters game, we only lost by two points. We lost 12-10 in that semifinal. Do you remember much about that time or those games? Um, I remember one thing from the Manly game, and that was um, Keith Harris' crash, as as you commonly called him. Um, Yep. And uh, him and I decided we were going to, we, um, oh gee, a really good second row for Manly. He charged on the ball, and I hit him from one spot and crashed hit him from the other. And we hit him that hard that we left him standing up, and the shockwave went through him and knocked us both to the ground. He scored another stick. So, um, <laughs> wasn't, wasn't that Terry Randall? Terry Randall, that's him, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and yeah. we <laughs> both hit him that, that we, we fought, we, we knocked one another off the tackle, and um, he just, he just sort of fell over the dry one. So, um, that was, that was a bad mistake by us, and uh, <laughs> 
Uh, we had we had a big blue uh, against um, the Roosters. Yep. And um, I got king hit um, by someone from us. Uh, I think it was a big Terry Terry Fay. He king hit me, and I think my yeah. ear, my ear bled for about three weeks. Yeah. So every every morning I wake up, um, um, my inner ear would have um, stuck my head to the um, to the um, pillow. So that was a little bit of a problem. But um, yeah, we we um, we sort of I think the first game we were a bit overcome by it, and the second game we um, we did pretty well actually, um, but we just yeah. didn't, we didn't manage to get away with them. Yeah, Manly were, Manly were pretty red hot in '82 too when we came up against them. Uh, yes. like Phil Blake was had just come on the scene, and uh, I think Michael Blake scored two tries in that game as well. So yeah. okay, yeah. Well, when, when we yeah. used to play play Manly with them, um, they'd say we were going to kick off, and I'd say we'll kick it down next next to where Phil is. So he'd catch the ball and he'd pass it to a big forward coming off the line, and we'd run it and head high the forward yeah. and. Um, and Phil would just look at the, Phil, the blood had drained from his face and would be yelling at him. And he'd be very quiet for most of the day. <laughs> oh. After the success of that 1982 season, there was some pressure on the club now to repeat the effort and continue that type of form. Then the 83 and 84 seasons for yourself must have been frustrating because you only played 13 and 12 games respectively. Was that due to injuries? Yes, yeah. You know, I can't remember what they were now to tell you the truth. I know I had a, I had a, um, I pulled a, a quad muscle and that was, um, that, that held me for a long time. That got me, uh, that was a big problem. Oh, and I did, I did my shoulder, I, uh, which I had repaired recently actually. I had a shoulder reversal. So um, and that, that I played for about three weeks with the bust with the busted, it dislocated, and then uh, they finally put it back in, and uh, I had a couple of weeks, uh, three or four weeks off, and I came back and played the rest of the season with a busted shoulder. As you do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mate, in in eighty five, you managed to play eighteen games for the club, and we start to climb our way back up the ladder. But there's a period in the season where you actually sit out a handful of games due to uh, what the club described as a contract dispute but um during my extensive research i came across an article where where you were particularly uh unhappy with the appointment of a bush coach who was out of the game for 10 years um to coach our first grade side um is that pretty close to the mark yeah pretty close yeah i mean um and 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 i'm not blaming the coach i'm just blaming the people that put him in charge obviously yeah Uh, and and uh, you know um uh, he was a, look. He was a, he was a, he was a nice enough bloke, and God rest his soul, he's, he's passed. And um, I'm not going to speak ill of him, but um, he was out of his depth, and it wasn't his fault he got the job. He just put his hand up like anyone would, and uh, our um, administration decided to give him the gig. And so um, um, he just did what anyone else did. And um, you know, look, we'd be we'd be we'd be having a run with the ball and doing some ball work, and he'd be going, "Wait, what? What? What did you kick that for?" <laughs> Because you've only got six tackles, mate. You got to draw. You got to kick it now, otherwise. <laughs> oh, no! Right. And I was just, wow. This is first grade Sydney football. Like, this, is, this is big time, you know. And and I'm just like, wow. So um, yeah. So that that and that, with me that and that didn't go well. Go yeah. well. And, and if I had a problem with somebody, they were the, they weren't the last person to know about. Let me tell you. So um, and that's why I retired then because um, I'd go into halftime and and um. The you know like in England and the coach would come in and say something. I go, mate, are you even watching the game? 
So and I'd spent half time giving it to him, so uh, that wasn't much much good either. So um, that's why I retired in the end. Yep. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It well on eighteenth on the eighteenth of June in nineteen eighty five, um, you captain the Kiwis in a test that becomes infamous for the Kevin Tomati Greg Dowling brawl. Um, yes. You were playing brilliantly at that game before you got deliberately taken out by a Crusher Cleal high shot, uh, which is what started all that rubbish. Uh, yep. What do you remember about that game and those two incidents? Uh, not a lot, although I have seen it on television. Um, I've seen it on tape. Um, it was black and white, obviously, because um, yep. I didn't know it was that long ago. But um, um, I saw, I thought it was um, Block and Roach and Crusher. Both gave it to me. I had my back turned and they gave it to me. And, and it was quite interesting. I, I, I had the sound on. I wanted to hear what the, the, um, the commentators of the day said. And they just said, oh, Graham's dropped the ball. Yeah. <laughs> and they're saying, <laughs> Then not, saying not stupid or anything like that. So, um, and um, I said to the, you know, like um, the next the next day, I was talking to the, the reporters. We had a, some sort of meeting, and the reporters were saying, "Oh, you put up a couple of bombs." I went, "No," and they went, "No, no, you put some bombs up." I was going, "Yeah," you know, I said, "No, I didn't." They said, "Mate, you want to have a look at that the video of the game?" So I did, and there's me putting bombs up. And um, anyway, I said, "Well, I can't recall any of that." So I said to the guy that got me off the ground, their physio. I said, mate, what happened? He said, mate, I, I got you up and um, um, I just got you going and you, and you, you I just told you, you know, keep going, son. And so I just got up and carried on playing. I was, he said, you're playing from memory completely because you were <laughs> completely concussed. Mm. And at half time, you still, thought you were still playing. So we just had you in the corner and uh, then they went, out, went out in the park. And um, um, apparently I was just standing there after half time, just standing on halfway. So that's when they took me off. But um, from my understanding, the brawl happened because um, Graham um, got into our forwards, in particular Kevin, about um, how how nothing happened to anyone that did that to me. So um, um, Graham actually lit the lit the fuse and um, let KT go with um, Greg Dowling. He was a KT was an ex street fighter too, wasn't he? And he uh, did a bit of boxing back in New Zealand. A yeah, good boxer, yeah, he was a very good boxer, yeah, yeah. Probably the best guy to be taking on Greg Dowling too. <laughs> yeah, well, I've been telling you that very notoriously hard hit, and um, yeah. um, it was you know it was it was a pretty evenly matched fight. Although I think KT might have got the better. I reckon he did too. Yeah, yeah absolutely, mate. On the seventh of July that year uh, in '85, you play your twenty-first test for New Zealand, and you experience your first test win against uh, the Kangaroos. There was a dominant eighteen-nil victory. Yeah. Um, do you remember that game? I do. I um I remember it. Um, it was uh, um, it was a marvelous game. And that when you realise that we had five or six blokes playing within that test side that played for their um, club sides in New Zealand on the weekends. Yeah. So here we are taking on Australia. We had some guys like myself who played overseas, and some guys who played in England. But many of the guys um, just played for their local club sides in Auckland or Wellington or Christchurch. And um, we beat the might of Australia. So that was a, that was a magnificent effort. And, and the beat 19... the... Yeah. Um, the 1986 season uh, saw a return to form for the Bears, finishing equal sixth with Balmain, and you're forced into a fifth-placed playoff, uh, which uh, you lost 14-7. to seven. Um, But you didn't play in that game. Why was that? I think I was must have been injured the, the game before, I think. Um, and they, they chose to play me um, 
the, the game before this one, so I, I wasn't available for the um, for the last game. Yeah, and it was uh, it would have been a quick turnaround too because it would have been something like a Tuesday night game where they played those semi-final yes. playoffs, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. Sure. Yeah. yeah. The, and the yeah the nineteen eighty seven season as well as a mixed season that starts off promising but a run of losses sees the Bears finish the season in ninth. So Hammer here uh, joins the Bears then in nineteen eighty eight in the President's Cup squad and is able to train alongside his hero. So a question for you, Hammer. Yep. What do you remember about those times? Mate, I was I was a really shy seventeen or eighteen year old kid back then, um, and when the President's Cup came on we only did like three sessions with the the top grade squad uh back in those days because it was still semi-professional um you know we all had to have have jobs and so forth and we'd usually do a skill session opposed with the reserve grade so we didn't have a lot to do with the the first grade side but i I used to see mark around uh when i was there and like i said i was a 17 year old fanboy and and i rarely had the courage to say any more than um than hi um but you'd remember, Mark, uh, those days that would send us on those um, on those big uh, runs. There was a run that we'd do from North Sydney Oval across the Harbour Bridge and then back again, back again, which was a tough one. But there was that one that they used to have us run from North Sydney down to Balmoral and then we'd have to run up that steep uh, Awarba <laughs> Street Hill, um, which was an absolute killer. Do you remember those days, mate? Yeah, yeah I do. They were uh... And you know, when you when you say now, like you know, like occasionally someone will ring and they'll say, "Oh, about footy training and stuff like that." You know, some um, um, expert on television will talk to you or whatever, and and you go, "Oh yeah," and they go, "Well, what did you weigh?" And you say, "Oh, you know, I was played hundred kilos." And they go, "Well, that halfbacks now that weigh hundred kilos." And you go, "Yeah, yeah. Well, what?" They didn't run the miles that we used to run, you know. No, and, no. and there was no doing weight training or anything like that. We just they just had some maniac turn up and go, "Right, boys, you're going like." Tuesday night would be 200s, 400s, and 800s, yep. and there was no no ball included. Um, and Thursday nights was most of the same, and the ball got introduced on Friday night for about 15, 20 minutes, and then that was that. You know, uh, yeah. Was, um, yeah, it was just it was it was it was, um, it was very different, obviously, and it was just about the the uh, survival of the fittest, basically. And fitness was is um, was only calculated in running terms. Well, that's exactly right because um, you know back in those days, if you once you came off, you couldn't come back on, and yeah. it wasn't unlimited interchange. I think you only had uh, for first grade. I think there was only two could come yes. on. Um, and, and, yeah. they had to, and they had to have played the games before. Either that's exactly them. right. Yeah, yeah. So they exactly they weren't. no. So so the skill level wasn't there. So you didn't do the skills stuff. It was just all about miles in the leg and being able to to last. You know, eighty yeah. minutes or you know one hundred and twenty minutes. You know, if you're going to come through and play a full game reserve grade and then back up for the for the first, but um, yeah, yeah, mate, it was a, I mean, it was a it was a simpler time for rugby league, that's for sure. Um, yes. '88 was your final season at the club, uh, and it was another season of mixed results and and could have been. And you play your final game in round 21 in the victory over over Parramatta, uh, yes. which we won 12-6. After playing 149 games for the Bears, how do you look back at your time at the club? Because like you said, you could have gone on, you probably could have commanded a lot bigger money at, a, at a more successful clubs and, you know, probably could have retired with a, a premiership or two had you gone to the right team. But, you know, you stuck loyal and you, you stayed with the Bears. And, um, yeah, how, how do you remember your time uh, at the club? Oh, I loved it. I, I had a great time there. I've still got... Um... You know, had had there not been the pandemic, um, I would be down there every second second year at the reunion, um, playing golf, staying at Donnie McKinnon's place, um, 
enjoying beers and um, and whatever with the boys. I had a great time. I I never regretted having played with the Bears. Um, I have lifetime friendships and memories. I, I, you know, I I've, I'm, I consider myself very lucky. Yeah, we consider ourselves very lucky that you played there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it was it was so different. I mean, you know, some of the things like, um, um, uh, yeah, like people would get. Um, like I had my shoulder dislocated for three weeks, and no one and and no one knew I was dislocated. And then I I um I played I played with it dislocated, and I couldn't. I had a manual car, so I had to I couldn't change gears with my left arm. So I'd have to hang onto the wheel with my knee and reach over with my right arm to change gears. And um and if I was getting knocked out every weekend because every time someone rang to my left shoulder, I'd um I'd just have to stick me trying to use my right shoulder, and therefore got my head in the road and got knocked out. So yeah. I went to see the see the, um, the doctors or the the brain people, and they went, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with your head, but gee, what's wrong with your shoulder? And I went, oh, it's, uh, it's I've dislocated, but it's gone back in. They went, that's not back in, mate. And I'm going, <laughs> are you sure? And they're going, yeah. I said, well, physio reckons it's back in. They said, well, your physio is wrong. I said, come here, we'll put it back in for you. So they did. And I went, whoa, oh, there, there you go. And I can move it straight away. I said, oh, there you go. So I played three games with it where I couldn't couldn't raise my arm. Man, so, yeah, Mate, I, can, I can remember like my memories are um, being a young kid and I played junior footy. I played for the brothers club. So we'd play, um, you know, footy uh, of a morning and the Bears would be playing at home on a Sunday afternoon. And you'd go up to the game. You'd be still dressed in your footy gear. We'd have the, the little passes that get us in for free. We'd get in for free, drop them over the wall. Uh, and all our friends would come in for free. And then the end of the game, it was that race to get on the field, uh, you know, nine... Yeah, nine times out of ten, everyone would be racing for the corner post, but, you know, all us footy heads, we'd be racing to try and get to, you know, Mark Graham, pat him on the back, or, you know, Paul McCaffrey, pat him on the back. It was yeah. they were great yeah, great memories of a, of a really great time in rugby league. Yeah, yeah it, was, um, it was very different than, than today, obviously, and, and I'm so pleased I played then and rather than now. Um, did, you, did you used to head across the road to Percy's for a beer, mate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I enjoyed a beer. I enjoyed a cigarette. I, I used to have the um, the doorman used to hang, have the cigarette lit for me at half time. I'd go down and grab, grab it off and go into the toilet and have a couple of puffs and then go and get stitched up and listen to the half time talk and then go out for the second half. Yeah. I, I kind of knew that. I remember <laughs> I remember being in the sheds after a game and um, and you were sitting there, uh, still had your, your shorts and you had one sock on and, and ice packs on your knees and you're sitting there with a cigarette. And I, I I didn't know you smoked at the time, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a lot, of, a lot of guys did, but um, and it was it was okay. It was no big deal. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> much much like our Warriors, the Bears had five coaches uh, during your time at the club. So it was Ron Wiley, John Hayes, Greg Harwick, Brian Chicken Norton, and Frank Stanton. Um, yes. How did you find them as coaches, and uh, did you take things you learned from them into your own coaching career? Um, well, uh, they're all, you know, they're all, like Ron Woolley was most probably the most successful one we had. Yep. Chicka was a very good coach, and, and um, so was uh, John Hayes. Um, they were great coaches. Um, uh, Greg was a guy that was I felt was out of his depth, um, yep. and um, Frank Stanton was a, was a um, representative coach for Australia. And um, it's quite funny. He was they called him Cranky Frankie, so he was just explode. He'd walk in at half time, and, and uh, the first time we did it, 
he's walked in and he's just he's lifted the roof and we're all just sitting there in shock. And uh, he's stormed back out. Anyway, we go back out for the second half and I called the boys in and um, said, right, boys, hey, did anyone pick up what he was talking about? Anyone was going, nah, like, we were just in shock at going on. So anyway, so um, that's how we, um, I mean, you know, you go, right, I will, you're certainly you're looking for information at half time, but when there's, um, when you can't get any, that's a bit of a problem. And um, so I suppose I made a mental mental note in my case from that you could do it, but only, you only do it once or twice a year, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I was lucky enough to, when I went to the coaching side of things, I was an assistant to the great Graham Lowe and yep. then the great Fulton. And then um, I went back to North for a couple of years. Yep. And for, um, oh, geez, a good coach too. I can't think of his bloody name offhand. Was it Peter Louis that was there when you Peter were there? Louis. Yeah. Peter Louis. And then um, I was up, when I went up to um, Cowboys. Cowboys. Yeah. And I had a couple years up there. So I had seven years as an assistant coach. So by the time I got the first game with the Warriors, I'd had um, plenty of experience. I'd seen, um, I'd, I'd coached um, with plenty of coaches that knew what they were talking about. So um, um, I was I was very confident. In fact, I was that confident, as I said to them, you know, if I didn't get the boys to the semis in the first um, two years, that I'd resign, which I didn't. So I resigned. But um, yeah, that's that was just how it is. And, I, and then I went on to coach uh, Rugby Union. I, I um, spent a bit of time in Europe and then I, I spent a couple of years, I spent some time in Auckland, first of all, and I went up to Europe for a little bit and then um, over to Japan for a couple of years, which was great. I thoroughly enjoyed um, the coaching the rugby union with those lads too. Before you got into coaching though, you finished your career uh, in England playing for Wakefield Trinity. You originally signed on for three seasons, but you leave after only a, a short 14-game stint. You indicated before um, you know, that you retired whilst you were over there. Um, again, in my extensive research, I did a bit of reading and I, I read a story where you said part of the reason that you uh, left was because of the treatment of Brent, Brent Todd by the club at the time. He, he had a season-ending injury and you didn't agree with the way that he was treated, so you kind of packed up and left. Is that close? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very, very, uh, well, it's um, exactly what happened, actually. Uh, Toddy was, um, um, yeah, he was good go forward. He um, stood tall in the middle of the ruck. He, he got fast play the balls. Um, and he ended up hurting himself in the in the service of the club. And um, and it was a season-ending injury. And they just wanted to, to um, get rid of him and not pay him. And yep. I, was, I was just like, no, that's not right. You, you don't do that, mate. No, no, well, it's not up to you. You're getting paid too much money to, to say anything. And you won't say anything because you know, otherwise you lose your pay. And I said, mate, you obviously don't know who you're talking to. Money's not that. So what? Um, but I'm, I will not compromise my uh, what I think. And um, you can jam it with the sun don't shine. And I've just retired. And um, they were like, uh, they they couldn't believe it. But you know that was that was that. And um, you know I was I was aghast that I was like my judgment call hadn't been good enough to to recognise that people in charge were um, would would do that. And I was I was ashamed of myself to think that. I was had the confidence to sign with the club that um, would do that to somebody. Yeah, yeah. Game wise, though, although brief, um, did you enjoy enjoy time playing in England? And how did yeah. that compare to how did the English rugby league compare to the um, the Australian competition? Yeah, no, it was um, it was a little bit behind, obviously, but um, they were good lads. Um, 
we had a we had a pretty good side. We actually actually had a, a couple of really good big wins. We beat uh, Wigan one year, one day at um, at, our, at uh, the Boulevard. I think it was our home. No, was it the Boulevard? I just can't think of that, our home ground. But anyway, we we beat them there one day, and that was a big, a huge event. And um, Graham Lowe was obviously he was in charge of Wigan at the time, and he was very upset. Um, and he and I was having a beer with him afterwards in the pub, and he was still having calmed down, and he was saying that. Um, he said, the mere fact that you're standing here talking to me says that the boys didn't follow the game plan. <laughs> so um, I said, well, that will account for all those people running into my elbows. And he went, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, they took their injured off home. So it was, um, yeah. <laughs> well, I knew that it wasn't, wasn't that hard to figure that he was going to send people after me. So um, they just weren't good enough for ducking, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I enjoyed. I enjoyed they were, they were, the pommies were were, were um, um, very. Uh, I, 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 when I first started playing against the pommies, they were the dirtiest blokes that ever ever drew breath. Um, they were all miners and tough. I mean, remember we, I played against Wig, uh, no, Wales in '77, and there would have been wouldn't have been ten fingers on the on the three front row, and it would have been would have been lucky to be that many teeth on the front rowers, and 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 there would have. Every 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 inch of face would have had ten stitches in it, and they were they were their noses were all smashed up, and it was you looked at them and just went whoa. And I was I was nineteen, I think, or twenty or something like that, and I was just like horrified at, the, at these guys, and um, you couldn't understand. I was wondering what what language they were speaking, but they were actually speaking English with their broad accents. But they were tough fuckers, you know. They they'd, they'd kick you, and they'd bite you, they'd gouge you, they'd, they'd knee you, and the referee couldn't. Play the whistle all the time because um, the game would just be stop start. So the, the referee would keep count for you. So he'd go, "Okay, he's two up, so it's your turn." So you'd say, "Did you see that ump?" He goes, "Yeah, I saw it." When you can do something about it. So you know, <laughs> it's up to you to do about it. So oh, okay, so slip a couple in. They go, "Okay, now you're square." And so he didn't he didn't penalise. It was just if they got if they maybe got three or four in the lap, he'd start blowing the whistle in. You know, so. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> It was it was very different. You're like you oh, started, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> started the game. You'd go right up, boys. First twenty minutes, the referee just put the whistle away, and you'd have a sorting out sorting out period. And then um, after that, you went back to playing footy. Yeah. <laughs> you finished your twenty nine Kiwis Test career playing in the eighty eight World Cup, and you had wins over PNG and England. Um, but unfortunately, the Kiwis go down 25-12 to the Kangaroos in the final. Um, but how do you look back on your Kiwis career? Uh, yeah, look, I, had a, I had a great time. I was, I was very fortunate, obviously. I, um, I played with um, some marvellous, marvellous players. And um, um, we, you know, I travelled the world with Kiwis, I suppose. And um, I was very fortunate. I, I, I consider myself one, to be one of the very luckiest people that ever drew breath. Yeah, mate. Um, you said earlier you returned, like you went through coaching, and you returned to North Sydney to coach um, under Peter Louie in '94 and '95. What was it like returning to the club in that capacity? Yeah, it was good. I um, uh, I coached the twenty ones, I believe, in the first year, and reserve grade the next year. Um, yep. um, yeah, we. Um, um, you know, I was a North Sydney boy, so it, you know it was. Um, I was very pleased to be part of the club again, and um, and at that stage the senior side was very successful, and they, they had um, um, a good coach in Peter Louis, and um, 
yeah, we um, maybe we didn't, you know, we didn't set the world on fire at the top grade, but we were, we were close a lot of time. And um, you were. it was just a shame that um, we didn't go on with it, I suppose, or didn't, aren't still in the comp. Yeah, that's true. You spend a few seasons at North Queensland with Tim Sheens um, before Graham Lowe recruits you to coach the Warriors in 1999. So it must have been exciting to get your your first head coaching gig and at the Warriors as well. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, it was a dream come true for me. I was, um, um, oh, you know, I'd 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 I'd, um, I'd um, left the the um, the job at the Cowboys and um, I'd gone to the Warriors and I even discussed um, a contract or anything. I was there in Auckland ready to go, and um, the board had a meeting and they said we're going to pay you this. I went, what? I said I was doing more than that with the Cowboys. Are you kidding me? And um, so we had a little bit of a, um, a falling out over that. And um, but I was I was very pleased to get a start there. And um, I, you know it was it was it was it was um, quite difficult in the fact that I was um, the previous coach. Um, he had he was also the manager of a lot of the players for for the Warriors. Ah. So he, he was the coach and, and manager for lots of the players, and he was also the New Zealand. Coach. And and I I had no idea about that, so I was a bit naive, I suppose. And so I just thought if I would be, in those days it was uh it was an eighteen team comp, and yep. and yep, the year before and the year that ninety nine they just had taken two teams out, so she went back to sixteen teams. Yep. And um, um, so the they'd come second last in in that I think in about that period of time the year before we took over, and then all the all the all the, a lot of the senior guys, they wanted out. Um, they they weren't going to be. Um, they didn't have Frank there anymore, or they didn't have their coach there. I don't know whether, what was going on, but they they wanted out. I said, yeah, sure, no worries. You know, like if you want, you're not don't want to be part of this. That's good. So, um, uh, almost uh, almost daily, someone would come into my office and go, mate, um, I'd like to be released. I just go, mate, if you don't want to be here, that's good. Just go see see the uh, CEO on the way out, mate. Thanks very much. Yeah. You know? and, and and that was fine. So. All of a sudden, I had a, a lot less playing um, staff, a lot less um, um, experience, um, and internationals at that. And um, and we went on that season. I think we um, we did pretty well. We lost about six games by one point, and we ended up coming maybe eleventh in a sixteen team comp or something like that. Yeah. Tenth from yep. And um, and the year before, they'd come seventeenth in an eighteen team comp with all their stars. So um, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was quite it was a wonderful thing because I was just giving Blake's chances. I just look at them and go, yeah, he can play. We'll yep. put him in. And um, I can remember on several occasions, um, the uh, runner messaged me during a game, so-and-so is exhausted. Um, he can't go on. I said, the game's seven minutes old. I do not have a for him. He's going to have to. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, and... and uh, and and once they got used to it, they were they were great. And some of the some of the guys that um, I um, was lucky enough to to blood in first grade, you know, they went on to be champion players for the oh, club yeah. and, and 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 good blokes and and all the right things. And it was just um, it was a, it was a period of time where I was uh, although we weren't you know successful. I mean the the year two thousand when we were were um, um, at the you know not not the right end of the table, shall we say? Yep. Um, at the start of the year. Um, now before the start of the year, Stacey Jones, um, who played from New Zealand side against Tonga at Carlo Park and just badly broke his, his um, yeah, wrist. And that's right. He played all year. 
And um, it was it was quite surprising that Fra- that they even played actually because Frank was looking at the Paul brothers as a five eight um, yep. seven combination, and um, he played Stacey instead, and Stacey badly broke his wrist, so he yeah. he never recovered. He played about six games or seven games, maybe bugger all games that year anyway. And then John Simons, who was our five eight and captain, he he um, I think they I think the both of them might have played twelve games together. So out of a possible, say, six games, maybe six games together for the whole year. So out of a possible 12 points of both and playing together, yeah, um, ended up getting about 10 points from those those games. So, um, And then just before the season started, um, Matthew Ridge decided he wasn't going to play anymore. So, um, um, and Sid Uru had retired the year before. So, you know, there's your spine just decimated. and. Yep. Um, it was yeah, you know, it was it was a tough year. It was a tough year, but um, you know what happens when it's a tough year? Tough people stand up, and um, we we managed to give a lot of young fellows a chance, and some of them went on with the job. And um, yeah, I was I was I still I still communicate with a lot of those a lot of those guys I've spoken at um, benefit dinners for Armand Gutenbill and, and the likes. And um, you know, I, um, I I I think back on my time at the Warriors with. Um, great affection and um, I'm very pleased to have been part of the club. Mate, um, I'll, take, I'll go back to that, uh, that 99 season. So in the 31-year history of the club, we haven't really managed to win many first-round games. Um, your first game as an NRL coach uh, was a 26-16 win against the Roosters in round one. Uh, that must have felt good to, to get off the bat in your first, like get off the mark in your first uh, coaching gig. Yeah, I think from memory, I think that might have been um, an, an overtime win or a last last pitch win too. It could have been, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And and we were we were rated to come last that year because of all the players that we'd lost in the preseason, all the all the internationals. And um, um, it was great to go to the news conference uh, that that night, and um, all the all the press were there. And um, and I've never sort of liked the press too much, so I and they said, "Oh, how do you how do you account for that?" I said, "Well, you guys, you inspired us. You know, the hate you had for us, we just turned it on you guys." Yeah. And and that was just like oh but but I said no 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 but but any other questions see you all later to kids. <laughs> when, when I was going bad, they were just loving it because they were giving it back to me. But um, I'm okay with it, you know. Like you know, you get your chance, you um you do your best. Yeah, yeah. In the, in that 1999 season, um, we we ended up having a very good team by the end of the year because we made some really good mid season pickups, and and you mentioned um. John Simon and yep. uh, Robbie Mears. They yes. were two fantastic pickups um, that really led to that that successful period we had towards the end of that year, where we we went on a bit of a, a winning streak. Um, so we had, you know, like they got like John Simon, Robbie Mears, and Jason Deeth as well, who was who was a very yep. experienced player, great player, one of my favourite Warriors of all time. And yep. then you add them alongside the Warriors, usual like uh, Stacey Jones, the, the Vanganas, uh, Logan Swan, Owen Guttenbill, etc. So you made some very good pickups that year. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and but mind you, we had, we needed to too. You know, like, there was there was times here um, in the following year when um, I would just go, "We've there's no one we can pick on the side. We're going to have to go to you know get in touch with some clubs overseas in Australia and and, and bring someone over on the Friday. We'd have a training session with them on Friday and go out and play on the weekend. And occasionally we would win those games. Um, it was it was quite remarkable. You know, the um, um, we didn't have any any structures in place or any pathways for the players at those stage at that stage, you know, it was um it was um 
Um, all the good players seem to be to be bought and sold by the their managers before the, the Warriors got to have a look at them. So it was uh, it was quite disappointing. In fact, when I was um, at the Warriors, there we we um, we'd go to schools that were Warriors schools and that sort of thing. And and and, and the guy that sometimes the coaches for the for those schools would be um, Penrith um, scouts or you know the commandant yeah. for the the commandant for the secondary school. Um, you know, where all the secondary schools, all the all the teams get together and down in um, Huntley um, for their for their competitions and that the commandant for the camp was a was a bulldogs scout, you know. And I was just like, I was just like, no, no, bullshit, this can't happen. You know, you're going to get the sacks done. And they go, what? You can't. And go, you can't. You can't get paid by one person, or one club, or one organisation, and be serving another at the same time. You know? Yeah. And everyone was like, they were appalled at me. I was going, no. No, this, no this, this is so wrong. It's not funny, you know. And um, yeah, so I, I was I was in shock that, that they could it could be run like that. Yeah, you mentioned and, before, and, um, and whether you, and whether you've noticed, if um, if um, if I think something, I'm going to tell somebody that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I realised. Yeah, sorry, um, you mentioned before about some of the young talent that you brought through as your time as Warriors coach. Um, and they a lot of them went on to become club stalwarts and legends. So names like Ali Lawatiti, Owen Guttenbill, Logan Swan, Monty Beetham, Clinton Torpy, yeah. uh, Henry Farfilli, Francis Melly, yep. all yes. these guys. Uh, be like absolute legends of the club. Um, seeing those guys have wonderful careers must have been really fulfilling for yourself. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um I think um, I've mostly got an interesting story about uh, each of them, but um, Ali Lawatiti, he was just, um, he, he could have been, he could have played any sport and, and been a champion. He was just gifted beyond belief. Um, he was fast. He was strong. He was powerful. He had um, um, Michael Jordan-like ability with the ball. He had, uh, you know, with, with the play evasion games, and after after we realised how good he was, um, we'd make him do something else while everyone else decided who was going to work out, who was going to figure out to get, compete against him because he was always in the final. Yeah. And and it, the final would last again three turns. He'd win the first two, and that'd be it. And it'd be all, all over. And he was unbelievably good. Um, um, Francis uh, Fafili. Um, uh, Francis. Oh, sorry. No, it's. Um, Oh gee, is it Fafili? What's his first name? Henry. Henry, Henry Fafili. That's yeah. right, Francis. Um, he will. We're, we're doing a because um, I bought a lot of stuff with me from you know all the other coaching I've done. And we're doing a um, like a, like a fitness sort of thing one day, and um, it was a new one to the boys. And he finished, and the, and um, everyone else was still doing it. And I and I said um, said to the coach running, and I said, mate, um, did he do it all? He went, yeah. And I said, what was his time? He told me, I said, mate, that's unbelievable. So I said, we're going to say he's the winner for the day, but we're going to do this again in a couple of days' time just to make sure he was done right. And he was, he did, he did a time that was that much better than every other player that I'd ever been um, in uh, in grade football with. That he was like a, a seasoned internationals in Australia level and top players, and he beat them by two or three minutes. And he was, he hadn't played first grade game at this stage, and so that was just that's remarkable. Just. Um, Unbelievable. Um, 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 Clinton Torpy, um, his 
a previous coach of his came to me and, and came to my um, office and said, mate, this kid can play, you can do this, you can do that. He's marvellous. So, yeah, quite a mate. So I took him on and um, we had a look at him. And uh, I remember one day we were doing a video re review and um, the lights came on and he was asleep. So I said, <laughs> that's not a very good thing. So what we're going to do is you're going to do a thousand push-ups and a thousand sit-ups and we're going to sit here and watch it. And you want to hurry up because these boys are wanting to go home. So um, he was very exhausted and learned never to go to sleep in a video review again. Um, but but <laughs> the first time he played for us, he um, I think we lost the game. Very bad refereeing decision, but we lost the game. And, um, and we're in Cronulla. The next week, he turns up at training and he's late. And it used to be... Um, I used to find them ten dollars a minute for being late, and um, and these lads went on a lot. And um, he said he was late because the police had been in his house and they wouldn't let him go until he'd answered some questions. Blah blah blah. And uh, I asked them, and he said, "Oh, they said I was I, I robbed a robbed a bottle on the weekend." I said, "You were with me in, in um, Cronulla on the weekend." He went, "Yeah, I know." And I tried to tell him that, and I said, "Did you, did you get a card from the police officer?" He said, "Yeah." And I said, "Give me the card." Mate, yeah, the fine won't, you won't have to pay the fine, go out and go to training. So I rang the cop up and just burned him and just said, you, you know, and gave it to him. So um, he never was never bothered again. But apparently, somebody he knew borrowed his car and robbed a bottle of down the road. Wow. And, uh, and they, they, they took the red show and it was reg registration to him. So they, they went around to arrest him, but it wasn't him. So um, yeah, it was, it was um, and, and now he's really highly successful. I think from uh, he's uh, living in uh, the Gold Coast, he's, Yep. He is, yeah. We've chatted to him, yeah. 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 What, like, a, yeah. what a marvelous athlete, and, and, yeah. and, and oh, a great, yeah. and um, yeah, I'd like to think I had something to do with um, with his success, yeah, for sure, yeah, absolutely, yeah, definitely. I, I have to ask as well because the back end of that 1999 season was actually one of my favorite periods of the club for all the seasons that you know we, we didn't make the finals, that was when we were, we were in red hot form, we just hit form at the back end of that 99 season, had a big run towards the end of the year. And I must ask about the famous 42 to nil win over a finals bound Newcastle side featuring the eighth immortal, um, Andrew Johns. That will long go down in my mind as one of the greatest wins in the club's history. Um, you must've been a very proud coach on that night. Yes. Look, um, they, um, you know, the thing that really impressed me about them is they could play footy. And I look at sides nowadays um, and, and just wonder what they do at training because they can't play footy. <laughs> they, you know, they, they uh, wow, you know, like all my guys had evasion. They all could draw and pass. They could catch um, high balls, low balls. In between. You know, we, we, we worked extensively on skills and, 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 um, and learning to understand one another in, in different situations. And um, whilst we, we didn't... Um, feature in the in the uh, finals when I had them, she's like a play footy. And and look, we're 20 minutes to go and we're 20 points down. We all knew that we could still win the game and, and basically win by 10 or 15 points. You know, we, we were never out of the game. I remember we played uh, Canberra one, one day and we were down by 20 at half time. And we ended up winning by... Remember. Yeah, winning, yeah. winning by 20. And I, and I, and I, 32 <laughs> 30. Yeah. Was it? yeah, yes, 32-30. Yeah, I remember it. <laughs> and, uh, and at half uh, full time, I walked out in the field and um, and saw Mel, and he was just in shock. And I said, "Yeah, mate." I said, um, "It's most really um, don't be too bad, don't feel too bad, because we can do that to most sides in the comp." <laughs> so, um, but you know, it, it was never over. And and now now sometimes I look at them and just go, "When are they going to play footy?" 
We don't, we don't think going to support the bloke with the ball. Where's that short ball? Where's the long ball? Yeah, and, and that's what worries me. I look at footy now, and, and the, the four four best sides in the comp can score from any part on the footy field, and everyone yeah. else everyone else is talking about completions and and kicking to the corners. But the good sides are looking looking for um, opportunities to score tries. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Mate, the um, the 2000 season starts again with a round one victory. You're, you're the only coach in the club's history that's won all your round one um, oh. games as coach. Um, but the season, again, is a difficult one for the club, um, highlighted by the club's biggest loss midway through the season to the Dragons, which was 54-0. You managed to win your last game as coach of the club, a 32-22 final round victory against the Northern Eagles. How do you look back on your time as coach of the club? I, I was I cherish it. It was it was a, it was um, not always a great time, um, but um, we tried hard. Um, we had good people. Um, you know, if if um, any side had lost their, um, you know, and for whatever you think of Matthew Rich, he was a great competitor. Um, lost their fullback, um, their their six and seven, um, in in a, in a year and and didn't perform badly that wouldn't be I think maybe the Roosters this year the only side that I can recall ever doing that um, but yeah we um, um, there was some obviously some not so good times there but yeah um, I enjoyed my time there it was um, it was um, it was a real, real learning curve and um, uh, maybe I'd have done a few things differently um, had I had that time again but oh, I was Proud of the effort I put in. I I, I worked um, night and day, and um, um, I enjoyed myself. I, I made some long life friends, and uh, you know, I'm lucky, I'm lucky like like you guys are. You know, you you, you, you I run into people I haven't seen for ten or fifteen years, and it's just like we I saw them yesterday. Yeah, and things just start again. So, um, I'm um, I've been more than fortunate. As we said, you had the two years coaching the Warriors, 99 and 2000. And it was a real period of off-field drama with the ownership of the club as well. How much did the off-field stuff affect you? Because um, coaching in itself is a tough gig um, without the, you know, the added outside noise. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was difficult. Um, at some stages there, the uh, senior players were taken into... Um, um, board meetings and, and asked about my uh, coaching ability and stuff like that and, and I had no idea that this was happening until one of the players came to me and said mate I've just been to a board meeting I was summoned to a board meeting and they were just trying to slag you the whole time and I was going whoa really so um, uh, you know I would get straight on the phone to whoever was concerned and, and would have our discussion and uh, um, yeah well, I was it, was it was difficult it was very difficult obviously um, but um, um I suppose, you know, they had their worries too. Um, um, but maybe they didn't go about it in the, in, in the right right way, as far as I was concerned anyway. But, yeah, to them, they might have thought thought differently. But, um, um, yeah, times were tough. But, you know, you know, um, tough times don't last. Tough people do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And, and as you kind of alluded to there, when the ownership of the club changed at the end of 2000, the new owners wanted to redo contracts, and, and that didn't sit well with you. Um, how, do, how do you remember that time period where it was changing over of the ownership? Um, well, I've resigned already. Um, uh, so I, I was actually working for the Auckland Rugby Union at this stage. And um, the boys called me um, and asked, would I come to a meeting with them? And um, because they were concerned about, because um, it went from the 
Auckland Warriors to New Zealand Warriors. So the contract the contracts were with the Auckland Warriors. So they needed new contracts for the New Zealand Warriors. And, um, you know, everyone's contracts were halved and um, and the boys were upset or they were being offered contracts that were halved and this sort of stuff. So um, I, um, you know, they, they asked me to go along and meet at someone's place, which I did, and all the boys turned up. Um, and they all had their, their say. And, um, you know, I just shared the meeting, basically. And I said, well, look, I don't know. I really don't know anything about this. But um, what we can do is, or what we should do, if you guys agree, is um, is get onto the players' union and, and see what they've got to say about it all. So uh, we couldn't do it that night. So I asked them all to stand uh, individually and promise to everybody in the room that they would be here the next night. And... Um, uh, and not to sign in the meantime, because together they had a voice, but individually they had nothing. So, um, and they all stood to a man and promised individually that they would be there. Um, um, but yeah, so that was good. So within three hours, um, most probably the highest profile player in the club called and said that he'd, um, um, he'd signed. And I went, what? I said, you just stood in front of everyone. These blokes have looked after you all their lives. Um, and without them, you would be, um, you know, scrunched up on the ground because everyone wants a piece here. And and you've just let everyone down. How, how do you justify that? He said, oh, I, I had to look after my family. And I said, mate, I know that the Roosters offered you more money than than you're on the Warriors now, um, a day ago. And um, here you are, um, having promised the boys that you wouldn't sign, you've just signed within three hours of having said that. Right. If you were standing in front of me right now, I would knock you out cold, and I'd give you a kick while you're lying there. And um, so, um, and actually, I was playing golf, or maybe you know, a couple of months later, and um, I saw him, and, and I, I'd forgotten what I'd said. Obviously, and I yelled out, "Get him!" And uh, he saw me and ran for his life. So um, <laughs> the threat must have obviously bothered him a great deal. But it was I was I was in shock. Had that. Like I'm, I'm a union man. I've always been a union delo. Uh, my last, my last uh, job, which I've retired from now, is, was a um, senior delo on site. And it, it might, if I'd be very unhappy to say the least, if someone had done stuff like that, if that yeah. promise, they would, you know, you just don't do that. That's that is. And rugby league is built on the backs of of the working class man. And you know, your word is your bond. If they've got nothing else, you've got your. I said I'd re resign if I didn't. I didn't make excuses that I didn't have a. I didn't have a, a six and seven and a one anymore. I just went, well, I said it, I'm going to cop it. That's, yeah. that's how it is. That's, that's life. And, um, um, you know, yeah, I was, I was, I was, uh, I was in shock and I was, um, yeah, I, I, yeah it, was, it was like they were building a side on the back of lies and, and, you know, you can't be successful doing that. I'm afraid. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. And and we, I have kind of heard that kind of that that story going around. So it's great that you've confirmed yeah, that for definitely. us, mate. Post rugby league, um, as I said when I introduced you at the beginning of the show, you've you've been named in in many great teams and won many many awards, and uh, you know inducted in the New Zealand Sports Hall of Fame, named as the greatest player New Zealand's produced uh, in the century from 1907 to 2006. Uh, New Zealand uh, team of the century, the North City Bears team of the century, the North Devils um, all-time greatest team, and the NRL Hall of Fame. Um, that's... And the Who one. And the what? Ada Who. That's some accolades. How, how do they sit with you? Like, is that, it, it's kind of surreal, isn't it? 
it's it, it, to tell you the truth, mate. Like that's um, how do you do that? How do you pick it? Like uh, and I, like I played under the six tackle rule in five meters, and, and all of a sudden we're we're comparing people um, unlimited tackles. Um, you know, um, you got um, you know the rules changes. All I mean, I'm 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 over the moon that that's happened, and, and I pinch myself every day when I think about it that, that I could I could be um, thought about in those terms, but. Um, I suppose it's, you know, people, everyone's allowed an opinion and, and, and a lot of people that obviously like me had an opinion that, that was voiced and um, I got lucky, but gee, they, they could have had um, any amount of people, um, at least another half dozen people that um, could have got the same um, accolades. So I, I consider myself again, um, uh, I was an ordinary player that tried hard and um, um, did my best, and and my biggest thing was making sure that I didn't let anyone down. That was that's what I felt, and um, and it didn't always um, uh, translate to winning games of footy, but it, it meant that um, the people I played with knew that um, I was giving my all, and, and that's all that you can do. It was it was the work the work ethic, um, you know, and you and you inspired a generation of um, footy players, uh, not just in New Zealand but in Australia as well, you know. Um, yeah, it was it was wonderful to watch you play, mate. I, I must say, I uh, and and to be quite honest, you were the reason that I um, got serious about rugby league. Uh, you know, yeah, it was just a it was just a sport that I played. You know, when, when I was a lot younger, but you know, once I hit um, high school in uh, in eighty one eighty two, uh, yeah, it became it became a like a religion, a passion for me. So good on you, yeah. As it was to um, to myself too, you know, I. Um, I uh, I was lucky enough to be born into a, a family that was um, you know like um, believers in the good Lord and, and loved me no end and sent me to good schools and I had great friends and um, Oda who was uh, Oda Rugby League Club was down the road Otahu I should say um, I was I was very fortunate in that I was um, brought up in the area and had great mates and you know in any our third grade side for Otahu, Otahu I should say. Um, um, you know, we had Gary Prone, um, oh, yeah, Dan Napa, Owen Wright. Um, you know, um, I'm just trying to think. We had uh, oh, Graham Lowe was our, our player coach. Yeah, uh, you know, out, out of that one side, we had um, most probably half of it represent Auckland at some stage. And, and, and you know, like that's um, that's a um. A Hollywood of rugby league, I suppose. You know, it was that's all we ever thought about. And, yeah. and when we would sit in the club and we'd talk about you know, how tough people were, and and um, these people would be sitting at the next table, you know, and, and the things they've done, and you and you and you sort of, no, oh, okay, so that's tough. Okay, so so um, when you had your opportunity to show how tough you were, you 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 um, you, you realised that you know you said right, and and. I had lots of fights, but I don't know if I won too many of them. But I was I was very willing, and if um, if I got a head start, there was no chance that you were going to have a win. So um, it was just how it was, and that's those. And and now I told some stories at a, at a, a dinner table the other week, and my family were horrified that um, th- that's that's what happened. And I was just I was in shock that they thought I was, that they were horrified. I was just going wow. So my my. <laughs> Why sort of uh, standards and their standards were a long way apart. <laughs> um, Post rugby league. So, what do you do with yourself now? I've retired, Rob. Um, 
I've retired. I've been retired for about a year, and had I known it was just going to, going to be this good, I would have done it a long time ago. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> Something to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Your son Luke is a filmmaker, and he's made a documentary about you called Sharko. Um, how was it making that with him? Well, he hasn't made it yet, um, Rob. He's um, he's uh, sort of the, the pandemic sort of got every you know like he hasn't been. He needs to get oh, out of sort of hiatus. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's in sort of in the um, it hasn't hasn't really started. I think he he did a um, he he's did done a trailer. He done a trailer, which is really good. I, I, I looked. Yeah. At it. Wow, I, I wouldn't mind watching that myself. But, um, but um, yeah, so it's um, it's been put on the black box. Um, I'm uh, I'm interested to see how it comes about and all that sort of stuff. But um, I I have great difficulty in believing that anyone anyone would want to watch it. <laughs> oh, mate. oh Trust me. a lot of people. A lot. Yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, anyway, so um, he, he's he's uh, and he's really good at it, and um, and I'm pretty sure he's he's busting to get it started and. Um, um, we'll see what happens, but um, yeah, it's. Um, I feel very flattered that um, you know, like you guys call me and want me to talk on uh, on, on this podcast. So, um, I'm in fact talk about that. I've got a podcast to do with later in the week with uh, Andy Raymond. So, um, oh, cool, oh, that'll be yeah. awesome, yeah, so, yeah. So, um, but you know, um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm a very fortunate bloke to have played with so many good footballers because, as you know, if you don't play with good people, you know. You know, you're not getting getting any quality ball, or um, um, you know, you can't you can't play all by yourself. But but what I got is um, your definition of a good player. Oh, wow! Got to put us on the spot now, um, mate. For, for me, it's thing. yeah, right. it's um. I'm just looking at you, Rob. Is there something written on the top of the screen? Well. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it comes see, I, I haven't I haven't played. I didn't play a lot of league. Yeah. So yeah, Mark, Mark, you're probably better to answer this one first, and then I'll chip yeah. in with whatever. For I me, it's come it's, up it's, with. Yeah. it's work ethic. Um, being that guy that everyone wanted to play with, uh, you know, making sure that you got other guys' backs, because, um, and just you know, training hard, training hard. I, I, I know it's cliches, but giving you hundred percent uh, every time you go out on the field. You know, playing for your mates. Doing those those little one percenters, um, you know, having trust in the guys either side of you, um, yeah, uh, that kind of stuff. That that that's it for me. Um, yeah. What about you, yeah. Rob? You oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I guess like a yeah you know, team first attitude. Yeah. Uh, being like a team player, um, put, putting in like like you said, one hundred and ten percent at training, leading the way at training, being you. A good example for younger players as well, um, and yeah, yeah, you just give uh, putting your body on the line, giving one hundred and ten percent, and everything you do, like you, like you said, the one percenters. That's sort of something that they they bring up a fair bit these days. But you know, doing the stuff, the dirty work that a lot of other people wouldn't do. Well, so it's like you you look at the Melbourne side, and you 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 talk about a guy like Pappenhausen, where but but the guy that really is the gel that holds that side together is a guy like Dale Finucane, and then. You know, Manly, you talk about, you know, uh, uh, Tom Travojevic, but Jake Travojevic is that that workhorse that just really holds that that team together. Um, and, and if we go back in Warriors history, you're talking about guys like Simon Michael Mannering. Luck. Yeah, Michael Luck. Michael Luck, yeah. Um, you know, Kevin Campion, guys like that that, that um, were just 
hard workers, like, uh, you know, got it, went out there and did the job every time they pulled on a jersey. Yeah, yeah. I, I, look, I totally agree. And, and what you've said is, is dead right. But I think, I think maybe um, I look at, you know, they, I watch uh, the awards or I see, I see um, people get awards and you go, yeah, well, that's good because he, he played a really good game with the ball, didn't he? But yep. defense, defensively, you know, you got to, and all those people that you mentioned, by the way, boys, fit the bill. They play yep. good on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Defense and attack. Yeah. You just don't excel on that. In, in attack, and nowadays we've got all our superstars are really good, really good at attacking. But you know, what about the other side of the ball? Because it's going to be exactly right. Half the time you're not going to have the ball, you know. No. And, and and let's 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 realise that defence and tackling are two different things. Defence is what the team does. Yep. Tackling, the visual does. Individual. So, yeah. yeah. So you know, and 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 yes, they are superstars with the ball, but without the ball. I know some some of these guys, you know. So yeah, and exactly so, right. um, I see um, I see some people um, yeah, they're they're raved about all the time. And the reporters, you know, this, can we talk about the stats for that? You know, there's so many stats in the game now, and you go right. Okay. So there's there was very few stats in the game. We said tackle counts in, in my day, um, and the stats I believe are there because the reporters want to justify why they've given so-and-so the man of the match. Yep. And they'll say, um, he's carried the ball 25 times today. Uh, he's played the ball 25 times. And he's run 300 metres. And I sit there and think, if he had played the ball 20 times today and passed the ball five times, his side would have won. And yeah. they would have won. Why? But now he's getting man of the match on the losing side and they got beat comfortably. Yep. And because he, he ran 300 metres. I go, Wow. So he ran 300 metres and he played 20 minutes the first half and 20 minutes the second half. So no one else must have done any work when he was on the field. Because yeah. I think his mum must be doing the stats, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I just, I, I, and I, you know, I think I know footy and I look at it and just go, bullshit, he runs. Unless they're counting him running off the field at halftime um, and back to the change room as part of, that might be 100 metres of it. I'm just thinking, yeah. no, that's impossible, you know? So um, I, 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 um, I think, the stats are there for the reporters who know nothing about the game, who, who can hang their hat on someone and say, yeah, but he ran 300 metres. And you go, yep. But if he'd have passed the ball a couple of times, his side would have won. And, and, you know, and they but say... I mean, that, you know, you've got a guy like, say for Penrith, you've got a guy like Brian Toto who, who they'll rave about because he, he scores two tries and runs 300 metres. But as you said, on the other side of the ball, you've got a guy like Isaiah Yo who's yeah. done 50 tackles. Yeah, you know? yeah absolutely. And, and smart with the ball. And, yeah. You know, and, and had a couple of runs and whatever, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and like sometimes you watch um, Cameron Smith, who's a marvellous foot, football player, and um, he might run, I don't know, she's, he'd be lucky to run with the ball in hand, I don't know, 50 metres in the game. Yep. But he's dominated the game. Yep. You know, so so you know, like those stats obviously don't apply to him. It's because the people that are relying on the stat, they don't understand the game of football. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad, we, I'm glad we passed. I'm glad we passed yeah, his. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was sweating there. I was like, oh, he's turned the tables on us. I was so nervous. I thought I was going to fail. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh no, I, I don't know if I'm going to get this right. Yeah, you went, you went good, and it was funny that you should say that because I went to a uh, oh, what was it called? Anyway, my youngest daughter's in university, and she's about to leave their college, 
and it's still about a year to go, but it's called something, I can't think of it. Anyway, and, and they had this really good speaker up there, and this lady got up, and she was a speaker. She was an editor for some of the big papers in um, Brisbane, and she was talked about um, leadership and what it was and blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, having been a coach and um, looking for people with leadership, um, you know, I put it down to the people that care. The people that care, they ask the question. So the great leaders are the people that care the most. It's, it's pretty simple for me. And, um, um, yeah, so it was um, – are you there, boy? Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I was, I was sort of saying, well, I agree with everything she said, but she missed the big point that, that your leaders are the people that care the most. And the people that care the most – they do the most around the field, around the park, and they'll ask the questions, and and they'll go and sit, sit next to the bloke that's had the bad game, and they'll they'll care for him, and they'll care for the club, and they'll make sure the standards are there, and they'll care at training, and they'll turn up at the right time, and they'll do the right thing, because you know why? Because they care. So you, yep. your best leaders are the most people that care the most. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, right. okay Mark. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you some rapid fire questions here. We ask all our guests um, okay. when they're on the show. While Hammer scrolls back through our comments uh, for any questions, um, Hammer, just before we do that, Mike Harrison had a heap of questions before, and they seem to have disappeared. So yeah, to, to re-add those. But um, okay, so Mark, first question: Who was your toughest teammate? Hang on, sorry, sorry, Rob. I'm just gonna walk to the um, to plug my phone in because I'm starting to um. Oh, okay, yeah, no worries. It was running out, but I'll just okay. There's the lights on. Yeah, there you go. So, who okay. was who, who was, was your tough toughest teammate? Toughest teammate. Oh, okay. Can I ask you another question? What What's your definition of toughest? Tough. <laughs> oh God. No, does, does he, does, no, no. Is it, does, he be able, does he have to be able to fight? Does he have to? Can he just absorb punishment and play like he plays? Um, play, play, play while injured. Yeah. yeah. Absorb punishment, punishment. Give out punishment. Yeah. Yeah, just you know, tough. Yeah, tough. Um, yeah. Guys, guys, I like to play with in New Zealand were, um, oh, like KT, Mark, Mark Broadhurst, um, or oh, uh, Alan Rushton was my roommate at one stage. There, he was a tough, tough man. Keep going. Uh, I've just got to close the door. Okay, mate. Um, yep. Um, gee, I, I don't normally like to do this because I'm going to leave someone out and, and, and I'll feel set and feel bad about it. Um, 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 um Lindsay Proctor, yeah. um, 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 actually, the, you, you must probably be better off asking me people that, that weren't tough. Um, <laughs> oh, it's just yeah, like at North, so we had Shane Bernard, most probably the dirtiest man that ever played footy, but he was just, um, he would stick his head where, where you wouldn't put your foot um, and and people came after him and he just copped it and he just went, well, I and got back up and gave it and he just kept giving it out. And you just think of, wow. Um, Tough burger, yeah. Uh, yeah, just, you know, um, Donnie McKinnon, um, Steve Mayo, John Gray, Keith Crash Harris. I used to think they called Crash Harris Crash because of the way he tackled, because he was devastating tackler, but he was just a shit driver. He couldn't drive his car very good. He used to drive it <laughs> Oh, so that's where you got I was very fortunate. I played with many, many um, tough, hard men. And um, and like Buff Popata, we used to call from Motor Who. Uh, Buff, we used to call Buff, has got his nickname because when he hit people, that's, a, that's the sound they made when they hit the ground. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that's great. Actual nicknames actually have sound effects. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, who was your who was the best sledger that you played with or against? Oh gee. 
I didn't really know if, if we, if we, because everyone, like, um, I don't know if it was done my day. I've got to say, it's more um, of a modern thing, is it? Yeah, well, yeah, I think so. Yeah, well, you know, um, I mean, if somebody had a sleeves of made of mine on the park, it would have been, you know, you'd have just been doing your best to get him. Everyone yeah. would have been, could have been a fight to get him. You know, so um, um, I can remember getting sleeves by um, Mark Bugden from um, Oh Canterbury. Canterbury, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah, the, the hooker, <laughs> yeah. And, and I just, I just given someone, um, oh, maybe Terry Lamb, I just broke his nose for him in a tackle, and he's gone, yeah, good on you, Graham, get the little blokes, and uh, I was marking up, and um, he ran, ran from dummy half, and I broke his nose too, and I said, yeah, <laughs> and remember, you're a little bloke, so that's good, <laughs> that's that's as good as I went to sledging, and, and look, if someone had been in my day, sledge somebody, it would have been. You know, that would it would have been everybody trying to get hold of them. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. What about the biggest pest? Biggest pest. The, Gee, guy, I, the guy that was just so annoying. Uh like a teammate that would always play practical jokes or you know it's usually the hookers. We, yeah. we found that <laughs> yeah. it's always yeah. the hookers that get brought up here. Yeah. Um I'm thinking most probably Gary Freeman might have been sort of up there. Oh yeah, I can yeah, believe yeah. that. Yeah, he was, he was a pest. Yeah, and uh, he was um, yeah, he was a pest. Yeah, without without doubt, he was he was a pest. Um, just trying to think of anyone else. See, on my tours when I took when we toured, my my pests weren't um. So if someone's been a pest, I'd um would sort it out. So I had my own crew on tour. So I'd have the enforcers or my boys, and I'd have them drink right, and um, I'd shout the beers. And, and every morning we'd have a have a, um, a, a team gathering, a team meeting, and um, I'd say, well, listen, um, and that evening I'd say to the boys, well, I think we'll think about doing this. What do you reckon? They'd go, yeah, it's good. And I said, well, why don't spread yourselves out in the room? And when I suggest it tomorrow, we're going to have a vote on it because it's democratic, obviously, and make sure all the hands go up so it's carried properly. So, um, and that's how the, we used to run tours. And um, look back on it, it's probably not the right thing to do, but. Um, we had some success on tours and um, everyone did the right thing and we never had anyone sent home for any uh, bad behaviour. So uh, we did pretty good. <laughs> um, what, what about your toughest opponent? Oh, jeez. Oh, they're all tough, eh? You know, like, the, only, the only guys, if I ever thought I was playing a bloke that wasn't tough, he was the guy that generally knocked me out when I wasn't looking. Yeah. So... <laughs> But, uh, you know, like, and the minute I didn't think, I didn't regard someone as tough and drop me guard, you know, I was I'd wake up in hospital. So, um, uh, they're, they're all, they're all very tough. Although I've got to say, um, um, I tell you, it was, it was hard to handle. Um, big Crusher Cleal, he was hard work. He was yeah. hard to handle. Um, um, yeah, I'm just trying to think. I'll tell you who used to give me a bloody hard time all the time. You might, John Tobin. Oh, yeah, at the Roosters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think every time he tackled me, he caught my legs. I was just like, oh. yeah, it was just like, again, you, you know, get a call. It was just like, and the guy that played uh, prop for uh, the, the dogs, um, oh, gosh. Um, Oh, he knocked me out a few times. I wasn't looking, but he knocked me out. So that, that still counts, obviously. Was but, it, um, um, wasn't Robbo, was it? No, no, no. Uh, and it wasn't Tungsy, who was nice and tough. Uh, uh, John Coveney? 
No, not John Coveney. Um, um, Peter Kelly. Peter Kelly, that's him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember. I remember. Thought I, one day we we're playing North Sydney Oval, and I thought, right, I want to get in first here. So I've gone in and I've whacked him really good and proper, and um, and I'm and I'm just the the my arm just collapsed, and I thought I'm lying on the ground. He's falling on top of me. I'm going, you break my fucking arm, and he's gone, and he's gone. Um, well, you shouldn't hit me in the head. I'm going yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't break me arm anyway. I just felt like it had, but it sort of yeah. came good. Also, anyway. But yeah, he always that was that was sort of you have those blokes that um, are your nemesis, I suppose. And you know, those are blokes that yeah. And and and, and you know, again, you don't like to leave anyone out because it's um, everyone was tough and hard. You know, like if a, if a reserve batter came up to play against you. That was probably the hardest bloke on the park because he was just going to bust everything he had to, to make sure he was there next week. So, yeah. it was um, it was it was just how it was. It was just you know we'd go out we'd go out after a game of footy, and um, um, nowadays they go out and, and they get attacked by the by the um, by the people out having a drink or whatever, and they get a hard time. No one would have dared do that in my day because they would have got they would have got put in hospital because you know we went about um, copping fools. And and the the police had come along, and the bouncers are going, no, that idiot had a go at him. And the cop would go, fair enough, and that that'd be that, you know. And it didn't get reported on. It was just it was a different era. It was different. Um, who was the most professional in regards to game preparation? Oh, jeez, <laughs> uh, that's a tough one, lads. Um, gee, that's tough. I'm just trying to think. Um, yeah, I can't recall anyone that sort of stands there to tell you the truth. With our game preparation, like I remember Ron Willie as a coach, and we'd have um, he'd call us in for an 11 o'clock meeting on the game day, and we'd all turn up at the Leagues Club. If we had a home game, he'd have yep. um, coffee and um, toast with honey on it, and he'd pull out his, out his um, clipboard and he'd look at it, and he'd look up to us all and he'd look around the room and just go, right, it was first scrum. Let's get into them. That's it's on. <laughs> She's on. Was there and, a was there a, cigar, was there a cigarette with that uh, coffee and toast, mate? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, it was just you know uh, it was it was a different different thing. You know, like in the preseason at Norse, you know, I used to spend a lot of time at um, Bernie Halls, who was a great boxing uh, coach in uh, in Sydney, and I used to spend um, three or four nights a week in there boxing and, and training to box and uh, learning to box. And, and, I, and I, I always thought I could handle myself pretty good before I got there. You know, they had lots of fights in Idaho and lots of fights in um, North and Brisbane. And um, when I first went there, I thought, he's going to say to me, mate, um, you know, get rid of that rugby league. You're a boxer. You can you can go on with it there. And he used to walk past me shaking his head going, mate. Um, <laughs> you're rubbish. Uh, yeah, you're, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. It was quite deflating, actually. <laughs> Who was the who was the best trainer? Oh gee, um, oh gee, they're all pretty good. I tell you, the worst Johnny Bray was the worst by a million miles. Really, a million Bray, miles. Okay. I would have thought he was the best because he was like he was so hard on us at school. Was a PE teacher. Oh yeah, well, like, let's start up. You know, we'd run 400, 200, 400, 800s on Tuesday night, and that's all we did, and. Um, you get to the 400s and um, 
unless they were counting who was in the groups, Johnny Gray would just jump over the fence and just just lay there for a bit in ten or fifteen minutes, and then <laughs> then it, sometimes he just he'd sneak around the hoarding site and then get down to the dressing rooms and have a tub, and he'd be <laughs> gone, gone before we got in the dressing room. There's always one, isn't there? <laughs> oh yeah, but he was he was like he was a genius at everything. He could do anything. So um, uh, we went <laughs> when they caught him occasionally. Um, uh, it was a bit of fun we had with him, but um, yeah, he was he was a good one also. <laughs> uh, who, who is a team comedian? Gee, um, let me think. In Northern Brisbane, it would have been Rossi Hendricks. Um, he's sadly passed away, but he's also the bloke. If you look up in the 1980 grand final, um, Norse, the South, he was the guy that threw the best punch on the footy field of all time. Okay. Um, have a look at, have a look at that. He's just, some bloke sort of, he sort of comes out of the blue and he's, um, some blokes sort of half kneeling in front of him and Rossi's hit him with the, the best uppercut you've ever seen and just about took his head off. Um, uh, but he was always a bit of a, a bit of a lad, a bit of fun. Um, gee, best comedian. I know they're all pretty good, I reckon. So, Clayton Friend looked like he was a funny bloke. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was yeah, more pissed like. More yeah. pissed. Like. Was, right. <laughs> um, uh, Phil Ritchie might have been the best trainer. He was oh, a yeah. little uh, PT instructor. He was a he was a powerful little man. Yeah, good. Yeah. Bloke, good yeah. Um. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I, you know, we used to run 400s in the pre-season around Tunks Park or no, yep. Primrose, Primrose, Primrose Park. Park yeah. yeah. And um, one day down there, uh, the, um, Willie, Ron Willie was saying, right up, boys, the uh, first two home um, from each group, yeah, one group running one way and the other group running the other, they're going to, that'll be the last 400s they do. And Stevie Mayo said to me, this is on a Sunday morning, so mate, I've had a big night on the drink. you got to let me win this one. And I said, yeah, no, sweet mate. So off he's gone. So he's, he's like he's done his a, absolute best. And Ron Willis yelled out, "Hey, you Kiwi, pull your finger out!" Yeah, <laughs> so I printed past him and um, beat him on the line. So he had to do another four. So he was very happy with that. But, <laughs> oh. Yeah. So yeah, but anyway, life's, <laughs> life's, I'll tell you, I'll tell you an interesting story about Stevie Mayer. This is how things have changed, boys. This is how 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 life is so different now. We'd done a um, as a team. We'd been away. To, we'd been somewhere um, out west to do a promotion for rugby league, or for the Bears or whatever. And we'd called into a pub way back, and um, we walked into the public bar and we all got beers or whatever. And um, some one of the, the, the local heavies has, has given it to Stevie Mayo, calling all, all sorts of names. And the coach, Ron Woolley, walked over to Stevie Mayo and said, "Mate, if you don't take him out, sort of beat him badly." Said you'll never play first grade again. So Stevie Mayo, we got good as golfers. He was looking for it. <laughs> so he said, Are you dickhead, get outside. So I went outside and Stevie punched holes in. Stevie, we all drank their beers and got back on the bus. And Ron, and uh, I don't think Stevie ever, ever not played first grade after that. So, <laughs> and, and, and he, he was a really big bloke too. And he yeah, could throw. It was, it was like, Wow, why would you pick on him? Uh, Mike Harrison has, has posted a lot of questions here. Uh, he yeah. wants he wants to know about the top NZ coaches. So he said Bill Sorensen, Joe Gwynn, and um, Sess Mountford, Lowy, and Ron Ackland. Yeah, um, 
all of them very good um, coaches. Uh, Joey Gwynn was my first coach at Otahu, Otahu and um, a very good coach, a, a very good man manager, shall we say. Not so much coaching as such, um, but he picked, he was a very good selector and had good players around him and, and had a good harmony about his, uh, about his sides. They all got on well. In fact, um, if things didn't, weren't working on the footy field, he wouldn't take us out in the training. He'd buy a couple of ca- cases of beer and just sit down and have a, and you weren't allowed to make any any suggestions or do any talking until you had a bottle, a quart bottle of beer before you started. So um, yeah, that's, those were some team meetings. And he was always successful. He was successful at uh, Otahu and uh, the Richmond Rovers. So and um, sadly, he's he's no longer with us. But he was a, he was a great man, great coach. Um, 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 uh, who else was Graham? Uh, Bill Bill Sorensen. Billy uh, Sorensen. Well, he was yeah. he was a coach of uh, of the Auckland. So they he coached the Auckland sides. And um, you'd read the Herald, the Monday Morning Herald, to see if you were selected in the Auckland side. And um, um, you'd turn up for training at uh, someone like Cornwall Park, which is in the middle of Auckland. And um, and you'd train for maybe 20 minutes. You'd have to give a bit of a chat. And then uh, on Wednesday night, you'd, after work, you'd go and play in the international side at Cornwall Park. And um, he was a very good coach. We went to the Amco Cups with him. Um, and each side that used to beat us in the Amco Cup would generally win the Amco Cup. So um, with some really fine wins and some um, some losses in, the, in those games. But uh, he was a great coach. He was he was the coach of the side for Auckland when uh, in 77 we declared ourselves the world champions because we beat every That's side. Right. You did. In the um, comp. Oh, sorry, in the World Cup. Yeah. Because the Warriors did a special jersey to commemorate that um, in 2007. Uh, when the Auckland side beat, I think it was Australia, New Zealand, England, and France, or something like that. Yeah, uh, oh, no, obviously, obviously not New Zealand. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And and the thing was that the New Zealand side was getting belted by them on the weekend, and we played them in midweek and and uh, beat yeah. them. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, great, great jersey that one as well. Yeah. yeah. Um. So so this uh, uh, Graham Lowe obviously was a great mate of mine, a, a great um, a great friend. Um, Knew his footy, um, a very good man manager, um, and um, oh, it's just you know, sort of like that. Um, he believed in you, and and you had no, no, um, no way of not repaying his belief as far as I was concerned. Anyway, and, and he'd he'd pick people out of obscurity, and and they would perform every time for him. So. He certainly had um, an aura about him in the coaching, and, and you know, and, and and deservedly went on and coached um, great sides of Wigan, and um, you know, first first and most probably the only New Zealand that, that to ever coach Queensland. So he did some great things in rugby league. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he also mentioned the great Otahu era with uh, Nick and Owen Wright, Gary yes. Prome, Roger Rota, Paul Simon, Stan Napa, who you mentioned before, Murray Evans, and Shane Dowsett. Yes, Shane, Shane just recently passed away. Actually, Mark, um, uh, very sad. Um, you know the um, um, the Simon's boys. It was Michael, Peter, and Paul. Um, uh, it was you know, it was made up of lots and lots of families. And, and um, Mrs. Banky used to be in charge of the the club. She was the secretary or the whatever, um, and so she'd sit on the door. And um, you didn't enter that club without your membership. And um, if anyone was playing up, she was the 
she was the bouncer. She'd walk in and just go, um, "Hello, boys. Um, you're playing up. I'm going to have to ask you to leave. If you don't leave, I'll ring your parents or you ring your father." And that, that was the last thing you wanted to do because you, um, some, sometimes um, someone was silly, or one time someone was silly enough to yeah, yeah. ring my old man. The old man walked in, just punched the hell out of the kid and dressed, dragged that boy there. Everyone went, geez, that's never going to happen to me. So, um, yeah, so she just ruled with an iron fist. We had the Yateses. The Yateses, uh, Simon Victor and uh, John, Big John. He was like a legend in Idaho. He was like the, the strongest, toughest man that God ever put breath in. And um, Simon and Victor had uh, started stink in the, in the, um, at the social club in the, within the clubhouse. And no one could get them apart. And there was plenty of tough guys there, but they couldn't. Pull them apart. They just ring John. John to come down in his pajamas, eight o'clock night, and just walk in, looking really embarrassed. And they'd see him coming and just shit themselves, and they just walk over, knock them both out, and drag them out by the hair. That was that was that. And then come back and apologise. And we go, oh, that's all right, John. No worries, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, Roger Rauder's daughter goes all right too. She's um, yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah plays good. Roger was a fine player. What's that? Roger was a very fine player. Yeah, mate. Another question from the thing: What modern day player would have uh, would you have loved to play alongside? Oh, um, gee, that's a good question. Um, that's, that's from Nicole Doyle. Okay, um, gee, it's a tough question, Nicole. Um, I'm not really that sure. I got to say, I think uh, I, I, don't, I don't even know if I like the way they play now. As you know, they play right side, left side, or whatever. You know, what position do you play, son? I play your left side. Oh well. What about you play right side? Oh, no, I don't do that. No, we used to play. We used to play all over the park. We used to play in the middle of the park on the edges, playing out wide. It just depended how beaten up I was at the stage where I was standing on the footy field. Yeah? Absolutely. Um, it was, uh, and and to think nowadays you go, you play twenty minutes, you come off for twenty minutes, and you go back on for twenty minutes, and then they say you played a game. So well, hang on. Oh, you played three hundred half games. Oh wow, that's yeah. good, mate. You're well done. <laughs> Yeah, or some of those guys that get on for 10 minutes at the end of a game and, you know, constitutes a game. Yeah, like, in the old days, you wouldn't have got paid. Like, when I went to North Brisbane, we used to get paid $2 a minute for playing. Um, so, you know, you got $160 for, the, for, for a win and, the, and you got $40 for training if you turn up from the training sessions. So a couple of times I'd gone out and, um, and got cleaned up early on and needed lots of stitches and they used to charge me $7 a stitch. And some days, some days I'd, I'd end up owing their money. So um, it was a it was a completely different school of, of uh, yeah, thought. Absolutely, um, Mate, but yeah. I was going to say there's a there was a media report that dropped today, um, and I just want to get your thoughts on it uh, about the Bears making another um, bid to try and be the 18th franchise in the NRL to come in in, in 2025, and this time around they're talking about. Uh, doing a similar thing to what the Dolphins are doing where they're not going to have a name attached to them or a place attached to them. They're just going to be, be called the Bears and their plan is to play six games out of North Sydney Oval and then their other six or seven home games they're going to take to New South Wales country areas. What, what do you make of that? Do you, think, do you think they're an actual chance of coming back in? Uh, you know, I mean, all us, us diehard Bears supporters have, you know, hoped for, what is it now, 20-something 20, 20 years that, um, we can get back in there, but um, having another team in Sydney is definitely not going to happen. And, you know, yeah. I think the, the Newcastle to Sydney uh, thing and having a team in, in between at Central Coast is still too close. But if they take a team with no fixed address, basically, to um, country areas, it, it, it could work. How do you, what, would you, what do you think of that? Look, a, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, 
obviously, you know, I've been an old Bears uh, player and captain. You know, you're keen to see them back in, but um, I can understand that, you know, not having another Sydney side. But, you know, maybe um, maybe having a second division and, and fighting your way back up might be the answer. I don't know. But, um, you know, I'd certainly support I, I see something on the, I think it's the Den, that where they're going to have a march. And I'd certainly like to be a part of that. And yeah. uh, if that can certainly influence somebody, you know, there'd be no problems at all. Um, and, then, and there's lots and lots of supporters for the for the uh, for the bears. Um, yeah, just to hope this time round our administration might be a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, just a couple more questions. People are asking, what was your biggest? Inf- who was the biggest influence on your career? I'd say Graham Lowe. Graham Lowe by by a million miles. Um, he was. Um, he, he certainly believed in me and I, I believed in him. And, you know, it's funny, you know, it, you know the things that you think you, you can't do, you know, you generally can't. The things you think you can do, you generally can. So belief is a, is a huge term, obviously. Yeah. Um, it's got a lot to do with people's success. And um, he's he's been a, a great ally of mine and a great friend. And um, um, I would have to, um, when I was inducted into the uh, in a, in a NRL Hall of Fame, he was the first person I rang to thank him for his um, his support and belief. And um, um, had it not been for our association, I'm pretty sure I would never have been um, awarded so many, so many good things. And um, aside from uh, toast with honey, a coffee, and uh, and a cigarette, did you have any pre-game rituals or game day routines that you used to stick to? Yeah, I did. I um, I. Um, Although I was a smoker, I only had five cigarettes a day. Yeah. Uh, so I'd um, limit them. Um, pre-game, I'd, uh, Saturday before the game, because we always used to play on Sunday afternoon. I used to watch the AFL on TV. And then at uh, the start of before, at the, sort of the game, about the time we were about to start our game, we would start our game the next day. I would um, um, pack my bag for footy, make yep. sure everything's there. And then the pre-game meal was um, always pancakes with lemon juice and sugar and, and a bit of ice cream. And um, you cook them yourself or Jackie cook them? No, no. Um, um, my wife would cook them, yeah. 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 <laughs> and, um, so, yeah, so, you know, it's just – and I always had the, the same sort of – I always wore the same um, pair of um, um, swimmers. So we always yep. used to always, always wore sluggos in those yep. days. Sometimes we only just train their sluggos in a t-shirt because that's how it was. But boy, uh, um, my family looked through the scrapbooks now and go, what, "What are you doing there?" Go, no, that's how we used to train. You, you're what? Are you, are you stupid? And then everyone would have a laugh about it. But you know, if you didn't turn up, if you dressed, if you turned up in shorts, you would, um, um, you know, people would laugh at you. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to walk over here. I've got to get the dog out, mate. He's just been, he's been. All right, mate. We, we, we're going to let you go. We, we just want to. Oh. Um, thank you very much for coming on and chatting with us so candidly. It, it's been a personal highlight for me. Um, Thanks, Mike. As I said before, bro, you were the reason that I, I, I played rugby league. You inspired a generation. Um, we love being able to connect with, with ex-players and enable them to share their stories here on, on Ruin Hammer. And I just want to thank you for coming on and chatting with us tonight, mate. Right, my pleasure. And thank you very much for the opportunity. And it was lovely to talk to you guys. And uh, some of the questions were bloody good. Um, um, that one that lady just asked, and I haven't got an answer for. Um, I will. I will think on that. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, I, I tell you, I, I like. I like the way. Um, 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 Warrior Hargraves plays. I, I like. I like his um, his aggression. Yeah. I, I 
and I think I would have really liked to have played with, play with him. And he's got a bit of skill too, so um, yeah, he I does. He's a he's a very very good player, highly underrated, I think. I'm glad you picked the Kiwi. Yes, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, we really appreciate your time tonight, Mark. It's been great to chat with you. We thank you for your your forever in Warriors history because you you coached us and and we you know as I said I, I fondly remember that end of that '99 season and uh, we appreciate your time and it's been awesome to chat with you. Thanks, Rob. I really appreciate it too. Thank you very Thanks. much. You take care. Nice. Cheers, brother. Cheers, Thanks mate. a lot. Cheers. No thank you. Right. Oh man. Oh well. Um, how was that? That your your hero. There he was. Yeah. Um, didn't disappoint, mate. Uh, yeah, it was was really great uh, chatting to him, learning a, a lot of the you know stories. Like you know, I mean, we we say it all the time. We we do our research here, and we you know try to um, you know make our questions as as interesting and and um, uh, as possible, and allow them to. Uh, tell a bit of a story, but um, I got a lot more than what I bargained for tonight, and I'm, I'm really, really pleased. We did, um, yeah, that, yeah. That, was, that was fantastic. Uh, yeah. Just hearing the stories about the old days, you know, like how how things used to happen in a different era, wasn't it? <laughs> Mate, it was, and it, it brought back a lot of memories for me too, because I grew up, you know, playing in the '80s, not grade footy, but I mean, it was still the the same style of stuff like when when we grew up playing back then we didn't have mini and mod footy everyone just played international like you know I was playing international footy at under eight on a full size field um, full rules so basically what they're doing on the week on uh, you know in the New South Wales rugby league is what we're doing Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings playing um, you know club footy as juniors so and it did it, it brought back a lot of memories you know it was a it was a harder game uh, because guys could you know smack themselves and that's one thing that we've spoken about a little bit this year on on our show is you know nowadays you get hookers and halfbacks taking on front rowers because they know they're not going to get smacked whereas you know back in mark's day um you know you were put on your ass you were smacked (laughs) so yes just take out that that big bloke in the bar that's giving you a lip (laughs) that story (laughs) but uh i mean i I, I knew he was a hard man back then but hearing some of those stories he's yeah he's um he's he's gone up another couple of notches in my uh in my, in my, you know, the way I think of him now too. So, yep. um, and you know, it's they say say never meet your heroes, but I, I can totally disagree with that. He's a fabulous man, and um, yeah, it was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. Yeah, brilliant. We we do thank him for his time. Yeah. Uh, apologies for the slight technical difficulties we we did have there at the start. Yeah. Um, a, a little a little bit of Warriors news uh, going around as well. We'll we'll, we'll touch on that. So. Yep. Um, I'll just get your thoughts on a couple of things. So uh, Jermaine Tarnor Brown being released early from his contract and he's linking up with our good mate Toddy Payton up at the Cowboys for the next two seasons. What are your thoughts on that one? Uh, my thoughts on that would be, uh, look, JTB had a great rookie season in 2020. He you know, did, won the clubs. Yes. He did win the club's Rookie of the Year award. Um but I, I, he never really came on this season as we, as everyone expected him to. Uh, and, you know, once we had guys like, AFB and, um, you know, Lodge and even Bunty coming off the back fence, it, it kind of highlighted some of the deficiencies in other players' games. And as a rego- result, guys like, you know, JTB and Kane Evans and so forth had, had reduced minutes uh, and weren't selected on game day. Mate, under, um, under Todd Payton, I think Toddy's got the knack to be able to get the best out of uh, JTB. I actually uh, messaged Toddy the other day and um, 
thought it was a good pickup for the club. And, you know, he, it's great that um, Jermaine's linking up back with Toddy and Toddy basically said, yeah, he's a, you know, he's a good player with a, a big future. And um, yeah, I'm sure once he reunites with Toddy, he'll, he'll get a fresh start up there. Uh, and he's got a couple of te- old teammates in, you know, Burry and Hiku's going up there, Chatty Townsend. Um, yeah, it, I think it'll be a good move for him and the club. It frees up another roster position for us. It frees up a little bit of money. Um, and in saying that, uh, just a, a little bit of a congratulations to, to Edward Cozy, who was had his um, yes. development contract upgraded today to a full NRL contract um, up until the end of 2023. Spoke to Edward today, just gave him a bit of a congratulations. He's, he's very excited, um, looking forward to, to getting a, a good preseason under him. And, you know, he came under a little bit of criticism this year, but people have to realise he, he kind of... Very young and experienced. Very young. Yeah. He's come through the Warriors' development systems. He, he made his first aid degree, first grade debut, basically, on, a, on an hour's notice uh, when yeah. Fuss pulled out before that round eight game against the Cowboys. Um, played five games this year and... And I think once he gets a bit of a good preseason under his belt and he, he learns, you know, the Warriors uh, systems a little bit better in the offseason, I think, you know, he'll develop nicely. And it's always good when the club invests in their uh, juniors, um, you know. So, you know, guys like himself and Vili Vallea and uh, Taniela Otacola are expecting them to, to have uh, bigger seasons next year. Yeah, definitely. Um November 1, fast approaching. And the talk is that the Warriors are looking to go hard after Joey Manu and Murata Niakore to a lesser extent. Uh, what are your thoughts on those two potential signings? Manu's a no-brainer, isn't he? Um, yeah, has to be. It, however, I, I saw on one of those um, social media posts where he did a Q&A on someone's page, um, which is, seems to be happening a lot at the moment on Instagram. Um and he did one the other day, and um, one of the questions was where he preferred to play, and he said fullback or centre. Now, I know the Warriors are looking at him at a six. Uh, I don't know whether he would sign under those uh, conditions, and the Roosters rarely lose a player that they want to keep. Very up. rarely. The only player yeah. I've ever known them to lose that they really wanted to keep was Roger. Um, Roger, yeah. So, you know, maybe history repeats and and the Roosters lose another one to the Warriors. Uh could happen. Um, Nuakore, talented, but I don't see um, him making our game day 17. Um, no. You know, you, you, you got to think that at, at full strength, the Warriors are going to be uh, Lodge, Fanua Blake, Curran, Harris, and, uh, you know, Jazz or, or um, Eli Katoa or somebody like that. Yeah. And then you've got like, say it's Ellie Katoa, then you've got like Jazz, you know, Bailey Siren and Bunty and uh, Tanya Otacolo or Murchie or somebody, Aaron Penne, you know, somebody Penne, yeah, forgot on that him. on yeah. that bench. Um, so, yeah, I don't know about Niyakore. I do hear that he wants to come home. Uh, he is, has, he was a Warriors junior, came through our 20 system. So, um, you know, they may get him <clears throat> at a cheaper rate. The other one that they've uh, brought up is um, Metcalf. Uh, from Cronulla as well. Cronulla, yeah, he's a half. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're looking to uh, get him for 2023, but then ho- ask have him ask for an early release so he can join the Warriors in 2022. Um, yeah, don't know about that. We're not sure what's happening with uh, Sean O'Sullivan at this stage. Um, 
It's still up in the air, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, personally, for me, though, and, and I know I went against everyone that said this during the season, but Brandon Smith's manager has now come out and said we're, we're uh, entertaining expressions of interest from everyone. So um, that would be someone that the Warriors, if I was at the Warriors, I would definitely be um, throwing a contract at because you just never know. Uh, obviously, there's some something happening there in terms of him and Harry Grant and uh, – yeah, going to be an interesting one. Um, but, yeah, for me, uh, Manu would be, yeah, high on my list of priorities and because we do need I, – I would I would rather see him come to the club as a centre and play him in centres. Um, centre, 100%. Centres is a position we've struggled with for a long time. Yep. And he's he's a genuine strike centre. He's got a lot of um, – he's got a lot of strings to his bow. You know, he can – he's been doing – he did a bit, bit of kicking last year as well when he was playing in the halves. Yeah. So he's got that creative playmaking sort of ability, and we're going to lose that with Hiku going yeah, as well. That's true. So yeah. he's, he's no brainer. Uh, what I will say about Nia Corey is he has played a bit of center as well. Yes. Parramatta, but I don't I don't know that he's a natural center. I think that may have been more of a stopgap. Uh, it it was because they were under. It, yeah, they had some injuries. I think you know they had the Jennings thing happening, and they were, they were yeah. looking for centers. He did quite well in that position. Oh, he held his uh, own. Yeah. But um, he would get beat, beaten for speed. Uh, yeah, that's the thing, in, isn't in that it? Thing. Yeah. One I want to throw at you, mate. Um, heard late uh, Mitch Pierce has formally requested a release from his contract at the Knights to take up a $1.7 million uh, a season for three-season deal at the Catalan Dragons to replace um, our good mate James Maloney. What, what do you think of that? Jeez, well, yeah, I can understand why he'd be interested in that. Uh, yeah. to go and to go and live in the south of France. Look, he's he's achieved a lot in in the NRL. I mean, he's a he's a polarizing figure, controversial figure, you could say. Uh, but he's he's won premierships. Uh, he's played state of origin. Um, don't think he played internationals, but um, it, he's, it puts he's a lot in the game. And uh, yeah. It puts the Knights and Adam Adam O'Brien under a lot of pressure now, though, because they're it's, obviously it's, it's interesting. Like I don't, I don't quite understand why they why they would entertain releasing him unless they've got another half. Well, that's there. the thing. They've they've got they've bought Adam Clune from St George, who who did a good job playing for the Dragons, but solid enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and they've also got Phoenix Crossland, um, who's come through their their systems. Uh, obviously, they got Jake Clifford. Now, Jake Clifford's playing great at five eight. Would you move him to half and bring Ponger into five eight, and then you know have Sex Toy come in at, at fullback because they've lost Connor Watson now as well to the Roosters. Yeah, there's been rumblings. Just that they they keep talking about moving Ponger, yeah, closer to the action there, and they did try it one year. I think it might have even been Brownies last year there, and yeah. the move kind of backfired. And after a few rounds, they moved him back to fullback, and the team, yeah, you know, started playing. A bit better, that like but that, I think both player and the team were in a bit of form slump at that point. But um, Mate, for me, they, yeah, I was going to say for me, they've got to go to the open market. Uh, I, I think you know, uh, without Pierce and without a ready-made, like established halfback, um, they're going to struggle next year. The Knights. Uh, my way of thinking would be, you know, there's a lot of talk about um, Luke Chanel. Well, Luke Brooks would be one that they should oh, look at. Yeah. Um, you know, the tight, there's always this talk about Brooks should leave the Tigers. Um, you know, he could go to Newcastle, new fresh, environment fresh fresh start. Yeah. Uh, for both him and the Tigers. Uh, but as you said, Chanel uh, is an option. 
Cody's another option. speculation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, well, the other one that probably would be better suited than either all of those uh, put together would be um, Sean O'Sullivan um, going yeah, to right. a team like the the Knights because um, he is he is in a similar mould to Pierce where he's a running halfback. Um, so yeah, he could be an option for them there. But yeah, going to be going to be interesting to see. And then while we're talking of like Brooks and the Tigers. Um, there's talk that the Tigers and the Raiders are going to go into a, a swap deal with Hodgson and Jacob Little. Uh, Tigers obviously getting the the win in that swap deal. Um, but yeah. then, but then uh, you know, the Raiders have got Tom Starling, uh, who who would obviously play hooker. And the Raiders have picked up Adam, Adam Elliott on a one-year deal. Uh, you'd assume that he's a one-strike-and-you're-out kind of thing too. Um, oh, yeah. With yeah, his yeah. history. Yeah. They'd be counting on the uh, the small town Canberra yeah. nightlife, you know, keeping him out of trouble. And it doesn't help a lot of guys down there. I think of all the blokes that got in trouble down there as well, even if it is Canberra. Well, um, yeah, that's true. It's, it, it's funny. Maybe maybe the Raiders are, are thinking more of like a long-term strategy in terms of swapping little for Hodgson. Because, I mean, Hodgson's probably – he'd be about 30. I'm not sure exactly how old he is. But, yeah. Um, little's, little's a fair bit younger. And so maybe that's that's their reasoning for for going with that move. Like you said, they've got Tom Starling there, who's also a young player and has showed a lot of potential um, last couple of years in the, in first grade. There's been a lot of talk about Canberra with um, uh, Whiten and and Hodgson finding it hard to to find their groove when both of them yeah. are playing. Um, you know, one overcalls the others. Whereas Hodgson going to a team like the Tigers can take full control. He's just like that Robbie Farah type hooker. Exactly. He'd be exactly yep. like Robbie Farah. He'd come in, yep. he'd be the game manager. He'd be the, the center point of all their attack. Yeah. Oh, I reckon it'd be a great move for the Tigers. Yeah, Good me move. too. Great move, actually. Yeah, yeah I think it'd be yeah. a fantastic move. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that's what's happening in the world of league. Uh, so what what date is it now? Twenty seventh. So we're fast approaching November one. So watch this space, as they say, with a lot of different things and players off contracts. So it'd be interesting to see uh, the moves, especially the moves that the Warriors would make on the open market, seeing as though we've got all these uh, spots available in the top thirty now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, upcoming live chats. Now we've still got plenty more coming for you this year. Uh, we've got Brent Tate coming on next week, uh, Wednesday, 3rd of November. It'll be a great chat with um, Tatey, um, you know, uh, origin player, Australian international, played three great seasons at, at the Warriors, uh, brother-in-law of Steve Price. He put, in, he put in a good word for us. Yep. So, uh, so we're able to get him on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, 2020 draw preview we'll do at the week after that's the 10th of November uh, we'll be going through the draw looking at all the key clashes uh, providing so, providing the draws out um, assuming that it is out if, if it's we'll not out we, we will have an alternative uh, for that week um, in our back pocket but yeah at this stage we're focusing on draw preview Yes, uh, and the 17th of November, we've got the merchandise himself, Jack Murchie, coming on for a chat. It'd be great yep. to hear from him. Yep. Uh, as Again, had a very, very strong 2020 season. And interestingly enough, one of our current players who has never played at Mount Smart Stadium. Yeah, So ridiculous, we'll just isn't it? To hear, his, hear his thoughts on that. 
we are also planning, as we know, uh, Puma will be releasing the new range of merchandise at yep. some point in time in the near future. So we're hoping to get the Jersey guru himself, Charlie Rass, on to have a bit of a chat and talk all things jerseys. I know a lot of you guys out there are like, like myself and uh, big fans of jerseys and uh, merchandise. So we'll, we'll be having a good discussion there. Yep. Plus, uh, more to be announced as we lock in some dates, including an exclusive live chat with none other than Ivan Cleary, premiership That'll... winning coach, yep. uh, played uh, played for the Warriors, and uh, his last game was the O2 Grand Final, in fact, and, and famously coached us, had a great stint as our head coach and coached us into the 2011 Grand Final. And that was his last game as coach, wasn't it? The grand it final. Was, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, funny, um, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. So that, that'll be that'll be a great chat. We've also got um, one of the guys that uh, Mark Graham was responsible for bringing to the club, Robbie Mears. Uh, he's going to yes. come on for a chat as well. Uh, he's just he, he's taken up a new role uh, with the West Magpies, uh, coaching them. So we just got to work out uh, logistics uh, to get him on the show. Um, but yeah, uh, still... Plenty of stuff coming up. Excited, Babes. Babes. excited for all of Get that. Get keen. Get keen, everyone. Get keen. Just another thing on merch. I, in, in doing my research for merch, which is something we're going to talk to him about, you said he's never played at home for the Warriors. He made three appearances for the Raiders and never played at the Raiders' home <laughs> ground either. So in his whole NRL career, he's never played at a home ground. He's always been an away player. So I remember there was a there was a test cricketer for the West Indies sometime and he'd played about 20 tests but had never played a home test. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, I remember there's this funny stats like that that pop up in sport, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it, um, yeah, yeah, when I was when I was doing my research and that I just found that really really amusing. <laughs> he's never actually played at the home ground of any team that he's actually he's played for. So nope. he never played for a home game for Canberra and never nope. played a true home game for the Warriors. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and just before we go, uh, everyone, just finally, just a reminder that we're on Patreon, um, our membership platform, enabling people to show their support for our content, um, signing up for a monthly subscription. Um, Patreon supports multiple tier levels to suit all budgets, and each tier will have its own rewards and benefits. And for now, we've got our basic bronze tier up and running. Yeah, that's right. And you can head to our Patreon page to show your support and subscribe to our bronze tier, which is set at the lowest amount possible. That's $3 a month, which is, you know, next to nothing. And we've also partnered with Torius Screen Print to produce a range of merchandise uh, for us, which will be available soon. Definitely the caps are coming sooner rather than later. Yep. And, um, we'll be having some exclusive Patreon-only merchandise for silver, gold, platinum, and diamond-level Patreon tiers that we're just working through there. But there's going to be some awesome T-shirts that you guys, uh, our Patreon supporters, will be uh, privy to. Yep. Um, any exclusive Patreon merchandise will not be for sale and it'll be only exclusively available for Patreon subscribers. Yeah, correct, mate. And thank you to our uh, bronze tier subscribers, uh, Daniel Delore, Peregrine Falconer, Sean Kurzweil, um, The Kirch, Nicholas McKercher, uh, Mary Carter, Fabian Moroa, Siala Afamasanga, our good mate Stevie Williams from way over there in um, Perth, Western Australia. Christian Catley from uh, NRL uh, Warriors NRL Fanatics and uh, Alf Tuolave. So thanks very much to all those people. We we really uh, appreciate your support. Yeah, definitely support, appreciate your support. We can't do it without you guys, uh, you know, following and watching and adding to the conversation. We, we definitely appreciate all of that. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our live shows, you can catch up on our Facebook page by going to our videos section. 
where you can go to our YouTube channel and catch up there. Unfortunately, this tonight's episode wasn't uh, simulcast to YouTube uh, due to a couple of technical difficulties that we had, but I'll be getting this up on YouTube um, in the next coming days as well. Sweet. If you follow us on that. Uh, the easiest way to find our videos is to head to the link tree, which has direct links to each of our live guests, interviews, and special presentations. Uh, speaking of YouTube, don't forget to hit subscribe on our YouTube channel and you'll never miss any of the streamed content. And you know, it doesn't cost a thing, you know. And and, and I've been uploading a lot of our older chats on there as well this week. Yeah. So you'll be noticing there's a few of our player interviews that have been uh, going up on YouTube as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and if you're a podcast fan, then you can catch all our episodes on our podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google, Breaker, Radio Direct, and iHeartRadio. A couple of others came up the other day um, that I didn't know that we'll on that uh, I, I, I don't know what they're called, but um, I got an email saying, hey, you're now on these platforms as well. So um, yeah, the Anchor program that we subscribe to uh, sends us out to all these podcast platforms. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us there. We upload our episodes so that they're ready to listen to every Thursday morning. And please head to our Ruin Hammer Instagram page where we upload uh, content daily to keep our followers informed of upcoming events, Warriors news, player movements, all other Warriors related content at the moment where we're going through and um, just doing a bit of Warriors history, a um, little bit of uh, a blurb and about each of our uh, player of the year recipients since we've... Um, yeah, uh, the club awesome. came in yeah. in 95. We've done a couple of uh, players to watch uh, stuff. And um, yeah, the, the last couple of days, we've done some uh, Warriors heroes. We, we started with Warrior number one, Dean Bell, and put up one about uh, Warrior number two, Phil Blake, today. So um, yeah, just head to Instagram. Uh, got a lot of stuff uh, going up on there every day. Yeah, definitely. Uh, cheers, TK, for still being with us. Uh, thanks yeah, for your continued support. It's what is it, 1 a.m. there? So. Hey, we love you. You're a champion. One of the greatest Warriors supporters of all time. Yep, absolutely. Um, well, yeah, well, that's it. That's it, mate. Uh, another great show. We want to thank our guest, Mark Graham, for coming on for a chat. Wasn't it an awesome chat? Um, and we want to thank all you guys who continue to support Ruin Hammer. It's very much appreciated. Absolutely. Uh, appreciate the support. Um, hope everyone stays well. Uh, managed to get out and get my... Uh, it did. My, my beard trimmed and my hair cut. So, sick uh, fade. Yeah, sick sick fade happening. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, and just before we go, uh, meant to do it last week. Shout out to Joshy Curran uh, and his dad, Dave Curran. Josh um, signed a, a headgear for me, and uh, Dave, uh, his dad, sent it down. So, absolutely love those guys. Um, Champions. It sits pride of place with the, uh, the 2021 20, uh, signed jersey now. Um, so, yeah. So, Thank you to Josh and um, thank you to Dave and uh, Jazz. If you're watching, I'm still waiting, mate. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, legends, guys. Uh, thanks so much for, you know, not only for coming on the show, but continuing to support us. And, uh, yeah, no, we, we Absolutely. really appreciate the input of the players and staff that we, we've been allowed. Absolutely. Uh, good night, everyone. And uh, see you next week for the Brent Tate interview and go the Warriors. Go the Warriors. Cheers.